0: No, anyways I'm still here. At my age I shouldn't be here anyway. Well that's true. I should not be up by flying saucer. They haven't come to get you yet. No, though. they're gonna come one day. <laughs> I uh, hope not too soon. No, my, my grandson says I'm in I'm in my second life now. <laughs> that's what he says. At my age, I guess you can do what you darn please. Now my sister lived in ninety seven. And Albert, my nephew that's here, if his mother had lived another month, she'd have been a hundred. And my parents didn't live well. Well, That's so funny. Really? No, I don't think mother and dad never lived over 76. And here we are. Can't get rid of us. And then one night I got a little pain across my chest, and my brother died with a mass of coronary thrombosis. So I said I had a small one, the started and then I quit. Did Doctor McCarron give you anything to take for that? No. No. Well, uh, then you know he doesn't a... even know about it. The well, only thing he takes, <laughs> only thing I take, is blood pressure pills. Yeah. To make sure. And that time that he was giving me this too strong, and you know I nearly died. I got out there. My grandson, my nephew was here then. And then I came to, they was looking in my eyes, and Boo Bar was here, and half the people were here. And they took me in the hospital fast, because mm-hmm. they thought my blood pressure went way down to 62. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I came back to life. <laughs> I said they don't. I'm not good enough for up for down here. I'm not. I'm bad enough for up there, so they keep me here. <laughs> well, we like having you, May. Oh, yeah, my age now, I'm here for. We're some, I'm here for ages until the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, my nephew say, when your name's on the bullet, you go. I believe that. I think there's time to be born and time to die. I really believe it. Yeah. I don't really believe that. because you know, he always said, when your name's on the bullet, you go. And he went and he died with leukemia here a couple of years ago. Oh, did he? They live in Gardner, Mass, but they always come up to deer hunt here. Really? And he and his friend Leo. Their own little house up here, too. No, I'm a great believer in what's VLB? That's right. I really believe that. Because, yeah. I mean, some people die young, other people die old. <laughs> the young people are dying now today more than the young. I mean, more than the old. My mother used to say the young, might the young may die, but the old must. That's, That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Anyways, who cares? <laughs> I don't.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Wiseman podcast. I'm your host, Sean Glynnis, and I'm here with my co-host Arlen Golden. How are you doing Arlen? Hey,
2: Sean, I'm excellent. How are you? Uh,
1: doing pretty well um we get to talk about my favorite wiseman film so i'm pretty excited
2: blessings to you uh, yeah yeah i'm excited too once we get to last um, letter
1: you'll know kind of like <laughs> <laughs> um
2: well you know i think uh as you might expect you could probably force a lot of occupations into a, a working reading for this app, um, but you know I didn't didn't hit on any major ones like factory worker or fisherman or something like that. Um, but there there was one brief scene in this film that I think is easy to overlook that I really enjoyed. So um, I'd like to read this one without. It's
1: uh, called Hunter
2: Without starting on the occupation, but it'll become clear. Okay. Uh, um, All right. Walking is good for you, it keeps you active. You more or less feel better. The bag's on my shoulder with me at all times. It varies from two pounds to 35, which is the limit you're supposed to carry. The shoulder's not affected, just keep going. That's all. Constantly you walk. You go home and put your feet in a hot basin after. That feels good. About twice a week, you give them a good soaking. When I'm home, I keep them elevated, stay off them as much as possible, give them a lot of rest. I wear out, on the average, about three or five pairs of shoes a year. When I first started, the bag seemed like I was carrying a ton. But as you go along, the bag isn't getting any lighter, but you're getting accustomed to it. This is a profession that everyone is looked up to and respected. They always say, Here comes the mailman, Pony Express or something. This has always brought a gleam to everyone's eye. Everyone likes to receive mail. I feel it is one of the most respected professions that is pr- throughout the nation. You're doing a job for the public and a job for the country.
1: Aha. <laughs> the mailman.
2: I just, like, loved that little, like, one-minute ode mm-hmm. to the Belfast mailman, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it seemed like they, they tagged along with him for, I don't know, maybe a half an hour Hit some different houses, like you know, just uh, uh, the dichotomy of solitary work and collective labor. Yeah. you know, it's all yeah. there.
1: So yeah, good scene. So if you couldn't tell, we're talking about um, Belfast, Maine. Uh, Frederick Wiseman's 1999 film. Uh, it's his 31st feature and 30th documentary. <clears throat> when um, he commented on why he made uh this film. Wiseman said, I wanted to make a movie about a small town. And I said, why not Belfast? That way I could live in my own house while well, I made the movie. <laughs> and um, to make it, he relied on uh, some friends, some Belfastians, uh, Tim Hughes and Jay Davis, who knew the city well and, and were able to suggest locations and help him get access.
2: Yeah, they, they're they both uh, thanked in the end credits, and uh, I guess um, they were local journalists. They're writing a history of Belfast, and uh, I think Jay was an old friend of Fred's.
1: Mm-hmm. Men About Town
2: yeah and I think um you know people sort of heard that Weissman was around making this film and and as that spread around, people started to approach him, suggest things that he can go to or people he should talk to to see about filming
1: yeah, I mean um <clears throat> I remember talks a little bit about this, but uh there there's so many cuts in this movie there aren't really like there isn't really like the scene like. Mm in public housing with like the intake um, or there isn't like the long meeting scene. There's nothing that really, as Member says, like stretches it out. Um, It's just like constantly moving. And so within that tableau, you know, he ends up in a lot of strange places, a lot of places that aren't, um, that, you know, you, you, you don't expect um, when you're watching just a movie about a small town, Uh, but each of them, is interesting and adds to uh adds to the overall tableau.
2: No doubt. Um you know, I think I think you could argue about whether or not that lack of a sort of uh anchor scene is is a lack at all. Um I think I agree with Mamber. He says it it feels like there's possibilities for expansion all over the film, but mm-hmm. like you said it it moves at a pretty solid clip and uh, I, I remember one interview we wrote a while back, Weissman saying he considered this to be his MTV film because of yeah. all the cuts in it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Barry, Barry Keith Grant, I think it was. You know, I think the the closest thing we get to an anchor scene is is uh, the high school teacher teaching Moby Dick, um, or, yeah. or you know, that's one of them. But he he says in this film, Weissman goes beyond melville even uh as far as like this working class hero idea into like the idea of the collective or the mass of the town as as like this this hero arguably tragic hero as this uh high school teachers talking about with uh ahab Mm -hmm. uh
1: and yeah it's there's so many things to talk about with this movie but um we should situate it as um so it's his 30 30th documentary his 31st feature out of like now 47 um and uh so it doesn't come in the middle but i feel like uh we both agree that it's a pivotal film and and as is also talked talked about in the literature uh it's looking back at so much of his career and also is forecasting a lot of what's to come yeah <clears throat> and um And it, it also comes at a pivotal time for his reputation. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to, to preface this conversation with a couple things uh, that were happening around the time. Um, one being on the more negative side, um, in terms of like for, for Wiseman at least, um, there's a a Nashville scene report about the film, not airing on PBS. And that article mentions that only four of the top 46 metered Nelson, Nielsen markets, uh, carried Belfast, um, during its appointed, uh, slot. Uh, that was New York, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Washington, DC. And, um, the, the the article says that uh, Nashvillians, on on the other hand, haven't had a chance to see Wiseman's work since the Sinking Creek Film Festival showed <laughs> Titticut Follies and Aspen in 1992. Um, so I think that gives a little bit of color of, of like, though, yes, he, these are playing on public television, um, it's not hitting all markets, and some of those markets it's not hitting are rather large. Um, many of them it's not hitting at least like when it's supposed to. So, um, it's funny that, yeah, we've heard from, uh, a couple of people, including our guest on this episode, uh, the lovely Leo Goldsmith, um, who actually did catch it on the broadcast, which is funny at some point. I don't know if it was on the original time slot or not, but, um, on the other hand, Belfast aired close to a Lincoln Center retrospective um which many of the pieces reference and we'll talk about those
2: I, I think it premiered there. Yeah, no? yeah. Or, yeah, and, and and kicked kicked off the retrospective as well.
1: Yes, it was the first film and that retrospective was organized by Kent Jones. Um and a prominent Critic and, and New York Film Festival um, head for for many years, I believe. Um, but anyway, that included all thirty of his docs at that time, which is uh, pretty remarkable. And during it, he was presented with the uh, two thousand Irene Diamond Lifetime Achievement Award for his commitment to human rights filmmaking.
2: Yeah, that was that was from the Human Rights Film Festival. Uh, yeah.
1: So I imagine this was how many people saw his films in the New York area and wouldn't be surprised if it caused like a mini wellspring and perhaps his films achieving a more thoughtful consideration than much of what we've read in past reviews. Um, I think it was, uh, especially for like sort of his his accruing uh, cinephile following, I'm sure that like Ken Jones is... um, um, responsible for a large part of that
2: yeah i think that's probably fair to say you know it it seems to have been a a moment when there was all of a sudden a lot of intense focus on his work you know uh, coincided with the release of a new film which is always an event but like i think this was in late January, early February sometime, and and it sounds like there were slides, you know, out the door, around the block, seems very well attended. Um, And you got to imagine, outside of, you know, maybe Patrons at Kim's, like, for most of these folks in New York, this would have been the first time to see a good chunk of these films. Like the Um,
1: Deaf and Blind series?
2: Exactly, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm I'm sure it would have been, like... You know, this was pre DVD even. So like mm-hmm. what what do you what else are you gonna do? Like pretty major,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Um and I think that we'll see that reflected in reviews going forward. I think we get some I I, I think we read some this time around that were um interesting, like just more like mm-hmm. piecing it together because I think a lot of them saw, you know, we're we're like seeing many of the films and then, you know, piecing that together with Belfast and, and thinking a bit more thoughtfully, like I said, um, about the film, which is nice. Yeah.
2: I mean, like it's, uh, it's such an apropos film to Mm -hmm. be the one for the retro and the one that sort of you know has this inherent finality of the end of the century um because he talked he even talks about how like there's so many of his other films in this film you know all the and i was like thinking about it i I struggle to come up with one of his docs prior to this that you can't make some kind of connection to because i think it's it's pretty much all there. It's it's really impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of them are a bit more like tertiary or, or tenuous yeah, connection yeah. than others, but stuff like meat, high school, canal zone, uh, aspen, near death, hospital, welfare, ballet are all very easy to make juvenile court. Very easy to make connections to. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk though about his project a bit more before we get into like contemporaneous stuff. Talk a bit about his project and um, using Belfast because we were able to talk to a, uh, a source from Belfast that wanted to remain off the record. Um, and just to kind of get an idea of Belfast in general um, before and since the film, um, also get a sense of like the reception. There's a little bit of writing on the reception of the film, but um uh, again it's it's one person and it and it feels that review um or piece uh is sort of painting with broad strokes and so to actually mm-hmm. like talk to somebody and ask questions about various parts of it was really interesting um and I think it's fair to say that um that Belfast is not the representative film about what it means to live in Belfast for many, um, locals. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Um, and so we've come across this, this hurdle before, I believe of like, um, this idea of his projects being named one thing usually, or something like broad, um, something like especially something um, specific like Belfast, Maine, but yeah. canal zone or um, even something like high school. Um, but the sort of like blankness of that uh, people, especially those not acquainted with his work as well, expect sort of this, the document on this subject.
3: right? And,
1: and that's not what he does. Um, but I think even within that, it kind of changes when you're thinking of like, the expectation when you're, when you're watching a four hour documentary about one small town. Um, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that live in Belfast. And I think that that it's probably fair to say that the experience that he is showing here um, is the experience was the experience for a lot of people um, and was also not the experience uh, for a lot of people and a lot of gray area in there. But um uh, Barry Keith Grant is was making uh, connections to to Walt Whitman and saying that you know a group of his later film later community films offer um, he says portraits of American communities that meditate on American democracy and um, it's important to preface that Wiseman is using Belfast as a way to create that project more so than trying to mm-hmm. represent what Belfast is mm-hmm. now. Obviously, if you're a local, you know, like that's yeah. like you, you shouldn't be expected to like understand that and 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 even see it that way, or even like you know try to see it that way, because yeah. um, it's all valid for 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 people that live there that don't feel like it's representative. But um, we read this piece, kind of a strange piece for us to read, uh, by uh, a lawyer named Michael J. Kelly. And he, he who wrote a book called Lives of Lawyers, and the afterward is called Reflections on Describing a Sardine Factory. And, um, which is very funny because he's a lawyer, much like Wiseman and, um, Wiseman's, uh, wife at the time, which, uh, she was a lawyer, lawyer as well before she passed. And, um, he, The afterword is using Belfast, Maine and the way that Wiseman talks about his own project as a way to both talk about Wiseman's project, but also like as a platform to discuss what he's also doing with his book, which obviously we didn't read Lives of Lawyers in full. But um, what that does is it allows Michael J. Kelly to talk about uh, Wiseman's project abstractly in a way that um, I think is useful for what I'm talking about in terms of like him using this project or him using like this town for his project rather than um, framing it as like, he's coming to this town. Okay. I need to, I need to make a film that shows everything that Belfast is um, kind of thing. Um, And obviously when you're working in documentary, uh, like, or when you're watching documentary, there's certain expectations and, um, he is definitely not always playing into those. But, uh, before, before we get into Michael Jake Kelly's, uh, afterward, did you have other things to add to this?
2: Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot, a lot to sort of touch on, you know, I think the It's easy for us, but I I don't think you can expect, you know, the casual cinema goer in Belfast to, um, you know, have an understanding of the concept of reality fictions going (laughs) in or kind of like you're saying, be, be, be receptive to that. Uh, in this case uh, of being a film named where you live. Um, but You know, I was actually reading something just the other day in uh, this book, Projecting the Nation, um, American documentary, Projecting the Nation, which is by Jeffrey Geiger, uh, who is is, uh, excerpted on the back of the new edition of Voyages of Discovery, which is how I came up on it. But they were talking about the Workers' Film and Photo League in the 30s, and there was um, a split within the league, as there often is in uh, leftist movements, but... um, between those, you know, kind of this typical Griersonian-Virtov split, you know, those who think a film should be uh, made and those who think it should be taken uh which i thought was like an interesting way to think about it in terms Mm -hmm. of belfast right because if you're just taking the film about belfast you know it might be more aligned with some of the expectations of these like locals who were uh, disappointed with it um but weissman's making he's creating right like he's Mm -hmm. taking the pro-filmic belfast and fashioning it into a reality fiction to address and touch upon you know all sorts of you know kind of pet themes but you know chiefly death uh transition flux you know all these kinds of things that were uh felt omnipresent at this moment in 1999 um and i think i think one of the reviewers said something like it, it the film carries this millennial sense of like summation you know mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. both of sort of weissman's project and what's encompassed within Weissman's project which you know this was something else people seem to be tempted to try and do with the retrospective but using all the collection of films as charting some sort of idea of american progress um which you know may or may not be anything Weissman thinks he's doing I probably don't think so, but like, it's, it's tempting to do that because there's such like a rich and diverse and long lasting body of work.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a great way to f- to frame it. I, I think that's u- very useful for me. Um, and so one of the things that Michael J. Kelly says is um, Wiseman's facts are the raw footage he edits, minor, the interviews and other data about the practice. My goal is to interpret and organize these materials in ways that do not distort or misrepresent any raw quote unquote footage while reflecting my judgment about how best, how accurately to tell the story and review reveal the quote unquote true nature of this law practice. Um, you know, going along the same lines and yeah, it does have a sense of like summation, like a lot of films in nineteen ninety-nine are. Um, and so there's like this, obviously he's always trying to be fair to who he filmed, um, and fairly represent who they were in that moment. Um, it's kind of funny, like there, I don't, I don't want to be too specific about, um, what we talked about with our source, but, um, there might be like a character in this film as I'm sure there are throughout his filmography that maybe like, you know we we just get a sense of them on this day and mm-hmm. that might not be who they are all the time and i think that's also important to know is like you know he talks a lot about like sort of his bullshit meter when he's filming and knowing whether people are mm-hmm. acting or not and i think like talking to to this local or source like it kind of made me also realize that like more importantly he wants what's going to work for the film like you know Mm -hmm, what i mean like mm -hmm, yes he wants to be fair to who they were on that day and if they were acting like that's okay too like i mean he i don't think he would say it that that like curtly Mm -hmm. but um you know i think it really puts into the foreground this idea that he's trying to make movies um and uh i think thinking about belfast this time and talking about it has really kind of like i said cemented that what that idea means um but uh, another excerpt that I'll read from this Michael Kelly book, um, he says that Wiseman uh, presumably creates films for a general audience, not to be confused with a mass or popular audience, regardless of whether it Mm. it skewers the indigenous natives. In fact, the first film that made his name in important respects, Tika Follies, was a devastating portrait of life inside an asylum for mentally ill people in Belfast, Maine, so scrupulously captures episodes in the lives of the sick and downtrodden of the town, and leaves the handsome New England colonial homes to the last few shots. That is unlikely the local tourist bureau would acknowledge is, is its existence. Once his raw footage is in hand, Wiseman, as best I can tell, approaches his descriptive and narrative tasks with complete detachment. I have mentioned Sympathy as an element of my detachment, but perhaps as a better way of expressing my stance toward the subjects of my study is to address the complicated dynamic of allegiance to two audiences, the people of the organizations that gave me access, people I seek to inform about modern law practice, particularly those contemplating law as a career or interested in law as observers or participants. I think the idea of um, also... You know, we talk about fairness of subjects, but also fairness, like to the people that give him access, um, is also an interesting thing that we probably don't talk about as much. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I liked I liked this afterward. I didn't really know what to expect from it, but I, I it really helped me think more about like how to to frame his work um, as you know as as cliche as it is reality fictions. Sure. Yeah. You
2: know, I mean, I think, I think, um, you, you sort of hit on the point of the structure already, but like that it's, it's just interesting to see someone, uh, recognize what somebody in another field or another practice is doing and sort of, you know, apply it to their own through, you know, different, uh, metaphor and stuff, but just, just kind of touching back on this local, um, interpretation or, or immediate reaction. I think they're, there was one quote I wanted to read off from this academic piece um, I read uh, in American Quarterly by someone named Artis Cameron, um, which was uh, re- cited by Barry Keith Grant only to pretty quickly write it off, which is uh, totally fair because it was really bad. <laughs> um, but uh, So I don't want to talk about it too much, But but there was a quote from a local reaction here I want to read. Um, another Belfast native told the press, it was really good that Fred Weissman came and illustrated that I really live in a place where I've never been. They left out the more normal aspects of life, a local viewer complained, the population that was just normal. Um, so just like, this idea that that if what's depicted in the film exists outside of the experiences of the viewer, that it's somehow like less authentic or it's misrepresentative of the town, you know, like, like, uh, I did, I did take note in the, um, American Chroniques, uh, I think they mentioned the poverty rate in Belfast was about 13%. So it's not like, uh, uh, you know, densely impoverished community by any sense, but you do see poverty here, here. And I think, you know, think about objecting to that depiction in the film, but not objecting to it in reality in your town, you know, like that, that's really the issue, right? Like, so, so like, I think, I think, uh, that was a bit, a bit disappointing to hear those kinds of knee jerk reactions, I think. Um, but, but just to touch on this Cameron piece, like, very sort of typical ideas about the outsider coming in to a community, making a film that's extractive, you know, quote unquote, and, and othering is, is really what she's arguing here. And I think the way she, the evidence she cites for how it's othering and is to me really telling on herself and not really talking about the film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but, but that like why kind of like with public housing, right? to not uh sympathize or empathize or relate to all the various people you're seeing in the film but to say that's them they're not me you know i know nothing about this or their presence here is somehow an affront or somehow disrespectful uh that they're being depicted in a film you know it's, it's like pretty common things at this point but like um, yeah, I, I just found that kind of, uh, disappointing and also maybe a bit revealing. I think, I think, you know, we talked, talked on background with our source about this, this sort of, um, chamber of commerce kind of criticism, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not an advertisement for the town and maybe people in a way people were hoping it could have been.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, the local tourist bureau, as Michael J. Kelly talks about it. Um, I, I think An interesting way, also for me to to think about it, is juxtaposing it with Aspen because the first time I saw Aspen many years ago, I, you know, he goes into I think like ESL class and there's like some shots about like of, of this other part of the town and also the 40th anniversary party is like very blue collar and some stuff that just isn't as glamorous. And my like instinct at first was like to to be like oh like I, w- I wish we would have got more of that and but as the film goes on you're like oh that's not what he's mm-hmm. doing that's not what he's interested in and so you know also this idea of like making versus taking he's taking from what he's interested in um,
2: mm-hmm. yeah there there's like this tendency that. I mean, there's so much in Belfast, right? Like, it's not just, like, you know, poor people. The actual people town? Or, well, yes. in the, no, the yeah. film, the film. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Like, like, but there's this tendency, I think, that right. some things are more present than other things or more emphasized than others, that the things that are less present or emphasized are, like, omissions, you know? But they're there, right? They're just, like you're saying, they're not his main focus or interest, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, we get... I mean we get a lot of the arts for instance um it doesn't show a lot of like high uh culture or kind of like uh like he mentioned these colonial homes um we don't get a lot of like these like fancy dinner parties or anything like that but like i think uh, maybe also that reaction can come from the associations of a lot of the labor that's being done here, because a lot totally. of it's not not pretty. Like you know, fishermen and or people who are working with fish. Like that's not necessarily like poor people. <laughs> like
2: totally, totally. Yeah. And I think too, it especially in retrospect now. I mean, a lot of this sort of assembly line manufacturing that has all but disappeared from like the American economy in a lot of areas. Um, it it veers on the romantic when we think about like gig working in an amazon warehouse or something that's kind of replaced a lot of oh, this yeah. right you yeah know? absolutely
1: are you kidding me like
2: <laughs> like, yeah. like you gotta assume that, that the these like, workers have benefits you know pensions like, maybe like they've they some of them have likely been there a decade or decades you know like and and weissman said that was part of his intention for the the number and the length of these scenes is to try and give you an impression of what it's like to stand there eight hours mm-hmm. a day for like 20 years right like
1: yeah i mean uh, as somebody who has lived in detroit for the last like four years um it, like thinking about like wiseman's if he would have made like detroit or something like that or like Hamtramck, uh many years mm-hmm. ago um like and knowing that so many people that did factory jobs like had like were comfortably able to like support families and have pensions and retirement and stuff that like people right now would kill for but instead like contracts have ruined everything and um uh yeah like we don't have to go on (laughs) about the but like that idea is almost like so foreign now and um yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to think about when you're watching all of this labor, uh, because also the idea of these scenes are like not like for me at least. I don't. That's not what I'm bringing to the to the the mm-hmm. scenes. There's so much more interesting things to to think about than being like, oh, I bet these bi- these people are like scrounging to. To afford groceries. Like
2: <laughs> Yeah. And I guess I guess to kind of just put a button on it too, I think, like we're talking about with this or or some of the home visits with like social workers or healthcare professionals, like I don't think that their presence in the film paints Belfast in a negative light at all. You know, I think it shows a community that cares about
3: right.
0: you
2: know, it's it's downtrodden, you know, it shows uh uh mechanisms and processes that are in place to address you know people who can't leave their house and take care of them and it also shows like we're talking about with with maybe like a benefits package on at the salmon smoking plan or whatever you know it shows a community that has uh, a place and and uh, creates space for a middle class to exist you know
3: mm-hmm.
2: um so so i don't think that just because that's the you know predominant content of the film that that it's it makes it like you know like aspen is much more of a hatchet job you know if you want to talk about like a critique of a community or something canal zone too right like like and and i think um you know it's obvious to talk about this film in relation to both public housing and aspen and also uh ahead to monrovia Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um but thinking about it as sort of a perverse mirror of the garden like which is also kind of it was the the film he shot after belfast even though it would be released a few films later but it it also kind of carries some of this millennial summation energy and mm-hmm. transition and flux uh that we were talking about earlier but like like that is is that what the belfasters wanted this sort of depiction <laughs> of like you know Uh, end of history decadence, you know, of like the mid to late nineties. Right. Like, I don't know what they were after, but like, to me, like Belfast comes off much better than Madison Square Garden does.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a fun, fun juxtaposition. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a romantic vision, um, to me at, at times, but obviously like, yeah, it's not, and, and our source also I think agreed with a lot of what you just said in terms of like the thinking about the social work um, and that it's not just like um, you know oh great we have to listen to another person who has problems like who doesn't have problems in the town <laughs> like I, that's not the that's not the uh, reaction at least that we were uh, exposed to but but yeah, yeah. Um, but I I know those are out there and I've heard. I've yeah. heard that from, from <laughs> right. people, but anyway, okay. Um, do you, well, wanna... do
2: you want, do you want to, before jumping into this and, uh, just talk about, you know, uh, li- listeners might not know that this film claimed one of your 10 spots on your, oh, uh, 2022 yeah. Sight and sound ballot, That's um, right, along with welfare, the rare double Weissman ballot. Um, Maybe you know, that so only. that's, I don't know, like having done that, you know, I, I, uh wouldn't take that lightly you know like I, a, a pained uh, over you know <laughs> the films that i was putting on that list so like do you want to just kind of speak to this uh its position in like your personal pantheon
1: yeah no um i i would say like uh i feel comfortable saying it's one of my favorite films and it's it's interesting because that ballot came out in between um this viewing and uh one from like two years ago. So I I mean it sounds so stupid, but when I was watching it, I was like, oh god, I hope I still feel like I should have put it on there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and and I thought it was like even better than I remembered. Like um I think uh there is a lot of this like summation type of stuff about the nineties and like, it's, it's so interesting to think about stuff. I, I talk with our guest about like what's on the fringes of this, um, film in ways that like Wiseman knows and is, is broadcasting, but also ways that he couldn't have known, um, about mm-hmm. the future that is coming after it. Totally. Um, and just as like capitalism, you know, it, it keeps, uh, uh, streamlining our life and, in horrible ways, I think it's um, it, it's just even more interesting to to think about uh, a, a small port town like this, um, and but but also I think like within we, we we also talk with our guest about like sort of the literary um, mm. feel of this, and I feel like it's just so poetic to me at so many turns um, in ways that are are like self-evident or, um, within his editing structure. And on another hand, um, I, I said this in, on my letterbox review, but like, it just feels almost like he's showing off so often in the edit <laughs> here. It's just like ridiculous. Like this, the like potato sequence and the sardines, um, and the stuff that he does with the salmon at the end. And like, um, but like, not just like in a vacuum, but just where it's positioned. Um, the diner scene, the, the like guys in the, it's not even a diner, but like the like coffee spot where people yeah, are yeah. talking about hunting, like just uh, the way that he is um, like 10 pulling the film and laying groundwork in such subtle ways. It's um in, in addition to as leo goldsmith calls it ambient like there's Mm -hmm. something like almost magical about this film to me and it all starts with this prologue that really is like mythical and and beautiful and um yeah i don't know it's it's really unlike even though it it is a sort of like a rolodex of weisman films it also just feels so um so unique
2: totally yeah yeah i think i think that's all very well put and uh you know comes from a place of sincere admiration so you know i wouldn't, wouldn't argue with any of that i think i think it's a film that starting with that scene and i think we talked to leo about this a, a bit but it it sort of announces itself it like announces yeah. it's 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 importance almost i don't know if yeah, that's it's go- like, going too far but it just it has that air about it
1: Bev, yeah like, it, it's the ishmael yeah. line like you yeah. know like <laughs> yeah, yeah he clearly had that on his mind and Barry Keith Grant talks a lot about our town which which I thought was funny with the quote about like I wanted to make a small town movie um yeah I don't know I think it stands next to those and just like the way that he catches stuff like the death of a salesman um (laughs) and, and and the fact that it's so long that um like you forget about stuff like by the by the fourth hour i forgot about stuff um until Mm -hmm. like you know chatting about it let alone like two years later be like oh my god i forgot this is in there you know like the this this time the the death of a salesman rehearsal line of um eat the orange and throw away the peel is just Mm -hmm. like (laughs) it's like and he's you know talk like you know they're in this port town and also like the incoming mbna stuff and uh automation like it's it's just the way he is able to find lines that are so evocative to the point that he's trying to make is or even that's too blunt but the sense that he's trying to create um is really really admirable amazing
2: yeah (laughs) love it um but like yeah it's 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 just crazy and then he catches in the high school's teacher talking about death of a salesman you know and right, yet, yeah and and this film is all about both of those scenes right like I, all everything that's being spoken mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. um yeah it's 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 pretty incredible um you know i think i think one of the scenes that felt really key for me is uh one that that might be easy to overlook or forget about because there's so much um but the the choir scene You know Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. that just seems like such a metaphor, right? Yeah, and and the way uh, the choir is all um, they're they're sort of formed in this U shape, and then Davy gets in the middle of them on one end and just like slowly goes around the whole choir all the way around the room, giving enough. Uh, time for each face to sort of be recognized and you know think about the individual's place within the community and the choir and you know like I mean it's 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 a little obvious but but it's it's also very like moving
1: uh, yeah and, and also not even to mention the fact that he's talking about art in a way that is like you know I'm, I'm sure Wiseman's ears were burning when he started talking about like
0: so keep that in mind you know whenever you're performing a piece It's always good
4: um, to read a little bit about the the time period, read a little bit, uh, you know, about what was going on. In your performance, you really have to change your mental way of looking at things when you go to different time periods.
0: So just think about that.
4: Okay,
2: and then going going to the to the Civil War historian to do just yeah. that, right? Like to sort of situate this town within some of its history, you know, in in a more explicit terms, like yeah, we I mean,
1: yeah. we didn't talk a lot about that with Leo, but um, he there's an interesting bit in there about like America's infighting. Um, not long after independence and what kind of resonance that has over America 1999 is fascinating Um, or like, you know, public housing or many other Wiseman films. But um, this is, I I think that's one of those scenes that also gains depth retroactively with something like city hall and the vet scene there. And I think what, Mm -hmm. what Wiseman is doing because the city hall scene is all about people talking about memories um, of being in war. And well, I think what Wiseman is doing uh, by showing us how important war is to our memory and our family's memory and personal memory and just our like, country's collective memory, like thinking about the effect this has. Um, and of course he ends on the line.
3: It's sad to read this, but it's part of our history
1: and it's being lost. But yeah, I mean, um, the way that that he plays with with, uh, war throughout his film, we talked a lot about it early on, but Vietnam is also mentioned here as well Mm -hmm. as something that just doesn't really leave people.
2: Yeah, Uh, and and just before we leave that scene, uh, you you called out one of the lines, the Civil War scene, but uh, thinking about Weissman's uh, penchant for self-reflexivity.
3: To me, I'm interested in personal individuals,
0: how they felt
2: uh you know he's talking about the 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 Belfaster who fought in the war um and you know thinking about Weissman's project looking at the individuals within historic moments you know that's not the only part of his project but it's certainly you know one element of it
1: um another line that that also like threw me off I was just like wait I I had to rewind it to listen to it because again I didn't I didn't remember it, but when they're at like the uh the like dead animal exhibit at the end. And, yeah. And that little girl's like why, should, why are all the animals dead? <laughs>
2: it's an amazing question to have. <laughs>
1: and and it's an exhibit that's trying to show like or you know trying to like um make them look alive and this right. like, little little kid can only be like why are they dead
2: <laughs> total i mean it's it's like a yeah a total inadequate simulacra of a zoo mm-hmm. you know right like like this this uh, horrific menagerie of like decaying <laughs> flesh basically <laughs> you know and and it resonates throughout the film thinking about The baked potatoes, what are those if not taxidermied, right? Like, like scooped out, processed, refashioned, preserved. Um, like be careful.
1: Mamber said he likes to eat them, so
2: I'm curious. I don't think I've ever (laughs) seen one of those on a shelf, but I'm I kind of want to seek one out now. Maybe because the Uh, factory's gone. oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> uh just a weird concept for a food product though but but i think you know we we i'm pretty sure we would get into this a bit with leo but like you know death is omnipresent here mm-hmm. um and it's uh some places you know much more than others um but it seems to be either always looming or always kind of just in the rear view um, but in one, you know, key scene, it's also happening right now, you know, yeah. and and I think that it's, it's, you know, pretty important in situating uh, the whole film as like, it's not just this thing we prepare for, it's not just this thing we consider in retrospect, but it's this thing that is with us currently, um, that is happening right now, and that, you know, will be the topic like it is for us right now of, you know, consideration and retrospective in the future. Um, uh, and it was something we anticipated, but like, you know, this coyote is about to get it right between
1: the eyes. Yeah, it's brutal. It's a brutal scene. Oh, but yeah. it is, does that come right after the um, death of a salesman? Uh,
2: yes. Yep yeah it That's is what I and
1: and it's and it's uh, another like classic it's that like the halfway point almost like approximately halfway through um <clears throat> one of those little wiseman uh signatures
2: yeah yeah uh, you know and thinking about other films the comedy francais right there and death of the salesman but you know talking about how uh the old are reliant on the young. I thought it was Mm -hmm. pretty resonant thinking about all the social work scenes, uh, in the film of expressing just that.
1: Sure. And tradition is reliant on the, on the new generations and and the young as well. Um, you know, that was something that we brought up an episode or two ago. Um, you know, think after thinking about menu plus year, and this is just like chock full of traditions. Um, and there's like sort of this open ended question with, which Wiseman even prefaced the film himself um in one uh place about like what is going to happen to these traditions right. um in that this town has built itself on and we get that again with with Monrovia um as well
2: that was was that the Montreal uh, mm-hmm. program listing i think yeah that that was pretty interesting because as we mentioned he he gets a bit more uh explicit about describing you know what he's trying to do in the film but like we've we've already talked about this idea of a community in flux but but i thought to me it was key and maybe kind of going full circle with the local reaction and you know misunderstandings there but he says his intention is to look beyond the images of community you know yes that is here yes that's a part of it but you know his interests are further than that you know uh, yeah uh, yeah
1: yeah um i i did mention it briefly but um i think i might have mentioned it with leo as well but again like that that little like convenience store coffee thing um i love just like him talking about um the trees or catching these guys talking yeah. about the trees and them being destroyed
3: they say there's a law well they don't you know, uphold the law. Nobody goes in and says, "Yeah, hey, you're going to get fined." You know, here, that's thousand dollars, whatever. Yeah. Start replanting or else. We'll give you another fine then. That's what, that's you what should. it should be. You know. Right. I mean, I'm. I'm I don't. I don't like click clear- out either. You're going to click out, replant. If it doesn't come back by itself, replant. That's yeah. so, I mean, I like can see you know, some places you need to click If you've got fur, it's going to. You open it up, it's going to blow over, you got to get rid of it all. Popple, yeah. got to get rid of it all. But if nothing grows back, recede.
1: You know, there, there's, as there always is, like sort of this generational, like, divide. Uh, you know, they're talking about hunting and not knowing who's hunting you. And, like, feeling attacked from your own kind is, like, uh, it, it's that whole scene is just kind of, like, so uh, it summarizes a lot of, of what's about to happen.
2: And yet, yet again, like, it happens, like, relatively early in the film, and there are so many scenes in the film, and it's easy to overlook. You know, another one I love is the um, jail scene, the, like, health oh, class yeah. on AIDS, you know. Just yeah. some in, insane lines in
4: there. What is it? Hugs. I know you guys all love each other. Um, when you're hugging each other at the end of the day, and before bed or whatever, um, you can't get it that way. The basic rule of thumb is... If it's warm, slippery, and not yours, don't touch it, okay? If you see a pile of blood or semen on the floor, don't play in it.
2: On the one hand, it has, you know, this sort of um, just like evidentiary uh, element to it, and it tells us more about what's going on in Belfast but thinking again to this theme about flux in the future and not knowing what's coming you know he's describing HIV as this virus that infects a cell and then starts propagating itself and the cells around it and it changes the cells around it and uh, you know so like just thinking about I guess relative to MBNA but like this I just broad idea of gentrification in general and you know what we see in some of the retrospective local pieces i think the there was a screening in 2017 in belfast that we read some pieces about but that you know they remark something along the lines you know like these factories and donut shops and cleaners have been replaced by like galleries and boutiques and you know things of that nature um so maybe maybe a bit of a seed of that um in this uh amusing scene
1: i it, it's strange um we talked with leo about the painters uh that kind of book on the film but one of the scenes that i keep thinking about that in juxtaposition with is like the art gallery you mentioned gallery art gallery in aspen and like yeah. how absent that type of um attitude is and like you said like in the beginning of this episode of like that's a testament i think to this this community <laughs> mm. is like the people who are doing like are uh, especially participating in the arts like seem to really really care about it like that guy playing mm-hmm. Willie Loman is like he's he's really <laughs> into it um and the and the choir um the guy leading the choir like what he's saying is not like half-assed um mm-hmm. these these are um there's a certain pride in in the arts here um and and again like this, the MBNA thing is like um it almost feels gauche to talk about in a way because it's it like it's so perfect and um (laughs) the use of it and and i think Wiseman probably feels like that too which is why it's only there for like a couple minutes like Mm -hmm. like if you were taking the film belfast um you would be there a lot and you would be like talking to different people there and like trying to get sentiments and stuff like that but this idea again like that is so is so obviously good um the think of yourself as a customer um it's worth thinking about like the other types of labor that we see here and how foreign that that like sentiment feels to um the other types of labor which is not to even like uh valorize you know working on a an assembly line um but just to mark as i think this film is trying to do um this like passing over to a new generation of labor or, mm-hmm. or like our country's like new ideas of what labor should look like. Um, especially as the internet increases, um, years down the line. But, um, whereas like thinking of, of yourself as a customer, like just isn't part of the equation when you just have to like do one thing for like eight hours a day. Like it has nothing to do with you
2: though you know i might not uh, want a little bone in my smoked salmon sure. uh, if i'm a customer i don't know like i think i think something just going back to your um what you were saying about the way he the depictions of the arts are different in here in aspen you know i think uh in belfast weisman respects the artists he finds and in aspen probably less so Um, I think you could, you could take that idea to the labor we find at MBNA versus the labor we see in the rest of the film. Like it's, it's, uh, and you know, maybe I'm, I'm over, uh, reading too much into it, but like, you know, some critics flirted with the word romantic. That was something that came up for me, certainly in the opening, uh, with the, the lobster fisherman. but you know, I think there, there's a valuation of labor uh and manual labor specifically that i think we'll Mm -hmm. talk about later in that that goes beyond um the assembly line and the factory work we see you know it's it's all over the film including with the social workers um but does it show
1: them like rotely answering the phone
2: i don't even think we i mean it's nothing like in say meat you know, where we get right. like a sales call or anything. Yeah, you yeah. know, we're just kind of quick on Looking some cubicles, yep. you know, seeing the building like like it's almost dismissive to some degree or, yeah. or perfunctory, you know. And it was something, you know, a lot of the locals called out, like this should be a bigger thing uh, you know, our, our source was telling us how at the time this was like the big news story, you know, this <laughs> the MBNA coming in being the, 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 the biggest employer in town. Right. Like, like that's not something we would necessarily realize from the film alone. No. Um, but, but was the case. So like, you know, I, but again, taking and making.
1: Yeah. God. Yeah. I really, I, I really ad- admire like how he uses it here. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, also, I don't, again, I don't know if there's much to say about it in ways that we, we I think, get into it with our guests. But the, the church scene, I think, is one of the closer ones to stretching it out. It's kind of... Which one? Uh, the pastor talking about...
2: We're living in a broken world. I think you parents
3: are aware of the fact that bad things happen. This is not a pleasant world. We constantly hear of crime, of all sorts of horror of man's inhumanity to man, and we bring an innocent life into a world that's like that, we need God's help. He's the only source of strength for living in a broken world.
1: It's a fascinating scene, and um, and it's it's one that you kind of like, uh, I don't think that that scene is self-evident. I think it's one that that is enriched by the film around it. Mm. Um, but I think that that pastor has such an interesting presence. Um,
2: but. Well, and also too, along with, um, you know, high school and like this very brief scene of like a impromptu skate park in a parking lot, you know, it, it, it's a a scene with a baby, you know, it kind (laughs) of breaks up this, this parade of the elderly or the middle aged, you know, um, and, and shows like a bit more of the totality of life here it gives us a bit more of the cycle and and you know the idea of like generational history and and things of that nature you know um so it, it has that sort of structural role as well
1: mm-hmm. um okay well do you want to talk about um Sort of the discourse that we came across and things yeah. that stuck out to us, and um, I mean, this one is a little different than usual because there's also the retrospective uh, going on. Right. So some some of these are are talking more specifically about that, which is interesting. But um, the Village Voice ran a couple pieces by Michael Atkinson. One is a one is an interview, and and, and another is uh, on the retrospective. And on the retrospective, um, he has a quote about uh, our, he calls Wiseman our town hall archivist, a conscientious, class weary compiler of documents about the fascination and often dreary ordinariness of the American quotidian. Um, And he's like positioning Wiseman like against Errol Morris um, Mm. for reasons that I don't quite understand. Maybe he just finds it useful to understand wiseman against something else but um he calls wiseman's work uh the people's cinema saying no other cinematic body of work expresses with such detail the inadequacies of capitalist democracy to nurture and satisfy its citizens
2: yeah um you know i i don't know that there was a ton in this atkinson piece that uh you wouldn't find elsewhere you know um I liked this one line from Wiseman. I'm an active participant, just not a very obvious participant. You know, I think, yeah, I yeah. think that that kind of gets to the heart maybe of what some of the, the Belfasters uh, issues were. Um, but, but Morris would actually come up again um, uh, being quoted in <laughs> Philip Lopate's uh, New York times retro piece. Uh, he gives us some good lines um, that I'll just read out. Give up that old distinction between documentary and feature film. Call it what it is, a vision, a simulacrum of the world. No one has exceeded in scope and intensity the simulacrum that Weissman has given us. Uh, and he goes on to say, He addresses our greatest fear, stasis. Everything yeah. grinding down slower and slower to some kind of sad halt. Um, which, you know, I think is is certainly evident in Belfast, but, you know, We've talked about simulacrum. We've talked about construction a good deal, particularly around, you know, the 80s and early 90s films. Um, but thinking about it as, you know, a dichotomy uh, like uh, Atkinson was bringing up with Morris, you know, Morris in this piece says Weissman is like, the the master he's like the you know who who he's inspired by and uh obviously their their practices are very different and Mm -hmm. in fact i i revisited a film uh with an apropos title to just to it's been a minute and i saw him say that um uh, vernon florida you know that is a film that you know with the title, you, you might expect to try and sort of capture a community, uh, as it is. Um, but his approach is so different. His approach is to sort of latch on to a few different locals and just do the Errol Morris thing with them, you know, speak to them directly, uh, face-to-face interviews. Um, but you know, the results are no less illuminating. Um, but you know, yeah, I just thought that interesting could compare, and contrast, and see the different routes one can take to especially when they're documenting some place that they're not from
0: mm-hmm.
2: um to sort of illuminate what's going on there. but I think Morris also was doing similar things with communities in a nation in transition, and this presence of death. It's mostly old uh white men in the film, and there's one turkey hunter who's uh, particularly prominent loves killing turkeys um but but to to use what he found in vernon florida to speak broadly about you know other themes and interests
1: yeah i've i i liked that quote too about stasis um and you can also imagine he really likes the potato scene with all of the soundscaping <laughs> that's going on that's um, crazy but Lope. um lopate brings up canal zone um and and a, another like very um absurdist scene uh which i forgot i about. loved
2: his read on that scene i thought that yeah was really good yeah
1: so I, i'll just read it if you liked it as well um it says the critic calling pauline kale calling pale said about his unflinching camera, you look misery in the eye and you realize there's nothing to be afraid of. But not only misery, in Canal Zone, the Panamanian patients in a mental health clinic sit stolidly in the waiting room watching television, an Aben Costello film dubbed into Spanish. With puckish calm, Wiseman gives us more than a minute of this film clip, minus English titles, followed by a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. Of course, we are welcome to interpret the scene as a commentary on cultural imperialism, but it is also a statement of our hopelessness before the entropic absurdity of life.
2: Yeah. I mean, like that, that was just such a a great way to unpack what's a relatively small scene in Canal Mm -hmm. Zone, you know, and, and just, you could do that with so many film or scenes and films across the career. And, and it was, that was a really fun part. I think of this retro was having him kind of run through some of these, you know, Pantheon scenes and just like in in a true retrospective way and just be like, God, you know, like there really has been so much amazing cinema, uh, put on display for us here over the years. Like it's, it's like, you know, you, it, it it all kind of runs together, especially the way you and I have been engaging with it over the past uh, couple of years. But like, you know, if, if you take a moment to look back and just think about some of these individual scenes, like, it's like, geez, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and kind of going along those same lines, I like how he describes Belfast uh, or Wiseman at this time. He says with, with Belfast, he shows himself to be less an angry prophet than a grateful mystic hmm. to, of the materialist realm, uh, which is just a really good summation of, of, of what Belfast is. Um, and uh, it's also cool just to see him like talk about stuff like a scene and meat. Um, Mm -hmm. cause like he kind of points out that, that the, the, the films about human suffering get a lot of attention, but that there's a lot in stuff like a scene in meat that are really worthwhile.
2: Yeah. And, and I think, I think you mentioned the, the, mystical uh, as a descriptor but like he also says in his films life is a dream you know i think i think these kind of reads that focus on absurdity abstraction expression you know just do so much more for me than those that are like you know uh documenting america charting social change you know like like it's just not as interesting um but but yeah. like and it's rare it's rarer that you get these sort of expressions uh, that are a bit more poetic, even though poetry is all over Weissman. Um, but but like I, I just really appreciated uh, LoPate for for taking that angle
1: in the interview with um, Atkinson in the Village Voice. Um, he talks about Weisman does talk about the the like the social worker picking nits in a way that is similar to how he talked about the cabbage lady. Um, mm. I forgot I forgot her exact name in public housing. Um, you know, he's, he talks about like, he's, he's trying, he says that there's a lot going on in that scene. And he's trying to reflect the complexity of the original event. Um, mm-hmm. he says, there's the visiting nurse. The fact that the city makes her services available, your assessment of the intelligence and character of the mother, the whole suggestion of her family dynamic, her pre-adolescent daughter, who's developing too quickly, etc. cetera. And we don't get stuff like that very often, but it's very cool yeah. when we do.
2: I really love in that scene too. Just small uh, diversion, but but the way Davey frames uh, the these three people from the front. You have mm-hmm. the the mother seated, her baby in her lap, and then uh, the social worker behind her picking nits. And it's it's almost like this totem pole, right. you know, three heads stacked on top of each other, and also kind of conveying ideas of you know generations ideas also obviously of community but you know I I think this is actually something uh I meant to get to when I sort of went off the rails talking with Leo later and forgot to forgot about but I think this is where I was going but it was reminding me in public housing um about this this uh sort of educated middle middle class helper class you know um mm. and and the ways that they're both distinct and engage with you know the poor uh, in their own communities you know um and and just sort of thinking about the distinctions there but i think in both cases it's good work you know like i think we talked about in public housing a bit like oh well you know, it's also self-serving for the sex ed teacher because she, even though she's not effective, she still has a job, you know, to do this lesson. Um, but like, it's even, uh, which I think is perhaps a bit unfair, but like in here, I don't think you can even try and make those arguments and people are really helpful, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're talking about nits, but, um, The guy later, you know, she just says...
1: Because, you know, if you can't afford to buy your medications and your stepson can't afford to buy them, Uh, you should call me. uh, Because I can help you buy your medication because it's important that you always take them. uh, Okay. Okay? Uh, So I'll leave you my phone number on your refrigerator uh, and when you run
3: out of money and you can't afford to buy them, you call me.
2: You know, we will get you your medicine. It's like like just like actual material assistance that is so often like gestured to or yearned for across Weissman's films but very rarely do we see it like in practice in this kind of
1: way yeah yeah it's like the antithesis of um, a lot of city hall
2: (laughs) right yeah Uh,
1: yeah um There's a David Callahan piece from, it's on documentary.org. I'm not sure exactly where it first appeared, um, but, or maybe it was on here in 1990 or 2000. Uh,
2: Which is the website of uh, the IDA, International Documentary Association.
1: And he has an interesting thing about, this is also on the retro and um, on seeing high school and high school too, back to back. He says, the first film is a mirror of of what we are. The second, a portrait of what we can be with care, intelligence, and effort. Hmm. And <clears throat> on on the experience of the retro, he comes to this conclusion. The strong response the early pr- films provoked from the Lincoln Center a- audiences attest to their lasting cogency. Optimistically, Wiseman's entire body of work acts as a record of how American society may have improved, since Wiseman first exposed the horrific conditions at a Massachusetts state mental hospital hospital. The value of the retro is the re is the revelation that Wiseman as someone who has devoted his career to revealing our weaknesses as well as our potential strengths has had something to do with that change. And it's interesting just to read this and see how like someone reacted to seeing a bunch of these great films and just like oversimplifies it. Like, yeah.
2: yeah. So, yeah.
1: So (laughs) discouraging.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think this must have been the piece I kind of had in my mind when I was talking about these kind of two (laughs) paths that critics are walking with the retrospective pieces. But, you know, of course, Weissman would never say anything like that, right? like, about his work, about what he's trying to do, about what he thinks is it expresses, you know, particularly that he has anything to do with change, let alone if change is even happening, is would be up for debate, you know? Right, right. Um, so I think, I think this one does reek a little bit of something we'll see in, in some other pieces. I think I caught it in Rosenbaum as well, but this tendency, at least at this point, uh, to talk about the earliest films and the most recent films and not really engage with or recognize, you know, sort of the middle period, um, mm-hmm. or, or be a bit, a bit more dismissive of those. We definitely see some dismissive comments about like canal zone and model, uh, elsewhere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know Steve Weinberg in art forum on the retrospective. He, he says, uh, his early movies are wonder struck testaments to the power of human beings to endure in places where the center no longer holds. Okay his late ones are full of quiet optimism as he finds his subjects linking up in meaningful and often imaginative ways, finding new centers and seeking seeking the means to fortify them. And he, he prefaces this with saying that his film started to change with meat and canal zone. And, um, he says that they have less urgency. Right. Um, So take that. I, I don't know if he means it critically or not, but, um, He says, he says
2: of those films and he mentions model two, that they lack energy and purpose, you know, which, which I think is at both inaccurate and (laughs) um, also just like, it feels like you didn't watch the film. Like, like those films, both. um, And this probably speaks to somebody taking a bit more of this literalist approach to the filmography, but, if you watch those films and you're not getting like what the purpose is, or you're not getting what the message is then you're not really looking past, you know, just the surface idea of (laughs) a documentary, you know, that it's being representative of something and that it's not like an interpretation or expression, you know? So, so, um, that's going to color your engagement. Uh, Yeah. Those,
1: those people are going to love going into the library of Congress and going through all the the rushes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah making their preferred versions of all of Weisman's films
1: um on to the stuff that is less about the retro uh I have a couple things um well the Christian Science Monitor David Starr I think that was the only contemporaneous yeah. piece I think to describe it as a portrait of a community in flux even though Weisman says that himself in that Montreal thing he says community <laughs> in flux right. um like no one else really talked about it that way. I mean, I think Clawans in the nation, he closes his piece saying that, uh, that Belfast like dwells on the persistence of the old economy. Um, and talks about like sort of the inner internet besotted op-ed writers, um, that are like kind of taking over. So I think he kind of understands that, but, um, But yeah, I I don't, I don't know the, the reads I got from a lot of them were, um, like Stephen Holden in the New York times saying that it represents this elegiac vision of an American community that works. There was a lot of that, Mm -hmm. a lot of that type of stuff.
2: Yeah. I think, I think New York times and LA times both were kind of guilty of, uh, like big city romanticizing <laughs> yeah. the this, this small town you know community to to some degree which i think you know probably some belfasters picked up on as well as like oh this is a film for city folk you know this isn't a film for us um
1: yeah like like going back to this like literalist idea holden also is just like you know on the moby dick teacher like it's a prefer a performance and it captures like a a, a spark of passion and like, yes, like it is uh it's a very interesting scene, but like nobody's talking about what that scene might yeah, say. Right. How, <laughs> how it operates. There. Yeah. Yeah. How it yeah. operates. Yeah. Uh,
2: um, You know, I, I, I thought the Christian science monitor piece was pretty solid. Uh, mm-hmm. All things considered relative to what we were reading. But like, I, I particularly appreciate just as kind of a, you know being like historiographers of Weissman discourse at this point like it seems like some people are starting to stop saying that these like less direct less pointed and urgent films are aberrations you know um and they're starting to see them operate within the larger body of work you know um as as being interrelated being you know part of different eras and periods um, so that, that's good to see that it's not just like, you know, especially coming off of public housing, you know, that it's not like, oh, we thought he was back and now he's like doing some, you know, ambient esoteric thing now.
1: Yeah. J. J. Rose, her Rosenbaum, um, says that, uh, it, it follows public housing in terms of like, he calls him like an essayist and he, he seems that he's, he feels that Wiseman is increasingly subtle and and non-didactic and sort of avoiding easy theses. Um, And I I talk about this briefly with our guest, but um, you know, it it helps I think with a film like this, which doesn't have that burden of representation or burden of like a capital, Mm -hmm. capital P point um, like near death has as well um, Mm -hmm. that, that he can be more um, mystical.
2: And I I think maybe that was what was speaking to me about like uh, the sort of early film, late film, disregard the middle Mm -hmm, idea, mm -hmm. you know, like, like, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's been doing this for a while. Right. And like, it's not like all of a sudden, like, um, you know, I'm going to stop being less didactic now. Like, you know, (laughs) uh, this other thing that's kind of persisting for me, though, unfortunately, among some critics, this was in the, the Clowns' Nations piece, too, is this, especially talking about the retrospective, this persistent idea of the films are demanding, they require a lot of work and attention, that they, you know, the thing we always hear, no narration, no titles, etc. Um, like, I don't think it's doing Weissman a service, you know, it, it's a disservice rather um, right. it's not doing the films or the work right. like any any justice like it's it's not talking about what's so um invigorating and engaging and like exciting about watching these films which is you know strange coming from somebody who's like like Clowens, who we know likes weissman you know um um but to keep presenting it as this sort of, like, eating your vegetables sort of thing, like, or this almost, like, maybe, like, egotistical, like, cinema viewership of, like, oh, yeah, I can sit through a Weissman film, like, I could I can take it, you know, Mm -hmm, or something, mm -hmm. like, and, like, because, I I don't know, I mean, you watch Belfast, and it's, like, I feel like anyone should be able to enjoy this, like, it's just so rich, there's so much going on, it moves at such a pace, like, like, I just uh at this point in 2000 um especially thinking retrospectively like i just can't stomach that that sort of presentation anymore it's really getting on my
1: nerves sure um and and I, I i take back my dismissal of like every single reviewer or like nobody's saying uh making connections about like the the high school scene and and the rest of the film because howard rosenberg in la times does um you know he connects his like ideas about like the the common man um the rise of the common man and sort of like this idea that that uh the the commercial fisherman can be as good as the rich like he's tying together poetic resonance and theme more than we're used to um i was actually th- thinking while reading his piece cuz he brings up the shooting of the wolf or the coyote and i was like man like very few writers bring that up and it's mm. such a it's such a big like you know graphic scene i'm surprised it's not brought up more and I, like nobody brings up the skinning of the almost nobody brings up the skinning of the, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. the foxes yeah
2: yeah. And, and also as, as in, the um, Stinson factory, like Weissman really gets his mic up in those fur skins, like <laughs> you know, see, seeing them stretched out on those metal racks, like is pretty, uh, pretty one of, one of the gnarlier I- images in in his filmography.
1: What do you think of the the time? The, there's this quote in the James Paniwazek, yeah. uh, time piece, well, Wiseman's vignettes can be mesmeric, they're too often mm. simply tedious and excessive, and it smacks of self-congratulation for the public TV gentry to do these working-class commoners the mere favor of acknowledging, as the salesman reference suggests, that attention must be paid.
2: Yeah, I, I wrote that down as well. I mean, you know, kind of like with what we were talking about with some of the critical engagement with public housing, I thought it was pretty gross. Um... You know, with, I guess the, the public housing thing is that all the critics were sort of imagining the audience for these films and imagining who's watching on PBS, you know, and, and creating some sort of meaning uh, of the dichotomy of who's in the film and who's watching the film, you know, um, which is one, like a big assumption. You know, I think it's reasonable uh, to also consider that, that people may have been seeing themselves uh, in this film who are watching it on TV. Um, but it's, it's also, um, just thinking, where's the quote, um, that like, like, are we not supposed to pay attention? Like, are we, are, uh, is there some, something that's sinister about depicting this, um, something sinister about presenting it, uh, for like public consumption? Like, I, I don't know how you can really make that argument that, that, um it's self-congratulatory in any way like <laughs> like like what's what's the congratulations you know that like like what am what am i supposedly doing as somebody at home watching and enjoying this i'm like like look at me like caring and empathizing about other people like i don't like that's just yeah. what a documentary is i don't know so like the the timepiece overall was just kind of the most negative overtly negative you know he calls it exhaustive and exhausting uh, um yeah. so i mean you you kind of know how he feels about weissman uh right up front um and it also carried this puzzling line before there were webcams there was frederick weissman yeah, yeah right. <laughs>
1: I guess I don't know I don't remember exactly what people thought webcams were like back then or you know our idea of what a webcam is now I'm sure so much <sighs> probably
2: different. maybe something like the like you'll see in the doc a uh, college boys live like this more big brother thing where you just have have webcams all over the house and anyone could just kind of
1: I think going to say we see live see in public up. or whatever.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. We live in, pu- yeah, a hundred percent. We live in public. Uh, no doubt.
1: Um, yeah, it, I, I'm excited for when we get a bit later on when the writing is just better because even though there's going to be way too much stuff to like wade through a hundred percent of it, um, it'll just be nice to not like read a lot of stuff that we're just like, well, this is trash. Um, but actually <laughs> like, you know, like a gain insight from, you know, like, when you read, like, Eric Hines on Wiseman, like, that type yeah,
2: of yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, you gotta imagine that it becomes, and this is probably true, as, like, just the realm of film criticism changes, and, you know, we move into the blog era, but, like, like it's not enough to just be the the beat critic, you know, mm-hmm. they are gonna be people who... You're, everyone wants to review Weissman because Weissman's great, you know? So you right. have to, like, you have to come with something, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully less of the no narration <laughs> type. Yeah, of
2: exactly. That. Like, like oh, you my. can, you could sort, like, if you're reading this review, if, uh, if you're reading a re- review of menu plus you know, in 2023, 2024, Like, like, uh, you're probably going to have some kind of idea of like what Weissman's deal is to begin with.
1: Yeah. Unless it's a huge publication, you know, if it was in like the New Yorker, um, then maybe you don't, but even then maybe not like, you know, something you subscribe to and you just read from front to back kind of thing.
2: But I mean, something like, you know, thinking about, um, previous guests, Esther Rosenfeld's reverse Mm -hmm. shot review Mm -hmm. of that film. Like you're not going to that if you're like just the way that film you know engagement and criticism works now you're not getting there unless you're already like into weissman yeah yeah
1: for sure great review um yeah okay well uh do you have anything else to add um
2: i don't know i mean and you know it's a lot of movie um no no, I think I think uh, we did it pretty well between this and our conversation with Leo. I'll just again advise any um, of the more research-prone listeners, just totally skip that artist Cameron piece. Uh, it was pretty pretty um, infuriating. That that was the one uh, Sean that had the line about him, Weissman being the Harry Potter of documentary <laughs> filmmaking, using his camera like a wand. Um, which, you know, at that point I just stopped reading, but, um, yeah. I'll, 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 bring it up again, only to mention that she contrasts Belfast with this film stranger with a camera, um, which was a documentary earlier in the nineties by Elizabeth Barrett, which was about a pretty interesting incident, um, in which Canadian filmmaker, uh, Hugh O'Connor was shot and killed um while making a documentary in like you know rural Appalachia by uh, the landlord of the person he was interviewing at the time um so that that was an interesting incident to get into the film i think um is pretty disingenuous in its arguments which is no surprise then that uh the author of this piece prefers it to belfast <laughs> <laughs> um but but that was that was an incident i didn't know about and you know you could you can find that online for just sort of a, a purely you know uh, completionist uh watch sure, if you're sure. interested yeah.
1: I I should mention, I I mentioned it just briefly offhand in our um, interview portion, but um, I did spend a summer very close to Belfast and visited Mm -hmm. Belfast that summer um, a lot. And um, I was there like a decade after this this film was made, but I, I didn't know this film existed at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's always funny to like watch this and be like, Oh, I've been to that pizza place. Like there definitely, you know, obviously I haven't been there since, but, um, you know, stuff was relatively like similar looking, but it's, it was, um, and I went to that theater, the colonial, um, which, uh, they asked Wiseman to buy and he said, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, uh, it was, it was just kind of a, funny thing to be like you know besides like a place like new york um or chicago to like be like oh he made right. a movie about this little town that i spent like a, a summer in uh, pretty weird but yeah
2: i know yeah i wonder i wonder uh <laughs> could do maybe a weissman road trip uh you know hitting up belfast and monrovia and racetrack uh, yeah aspen that'd be that'd be uh, sure make make some pilgrims pilgrimages
1: all right did you have something about shirts t-shirt business
2: oh my god thanks for reminding me guys we're out of mediums um
1: too many mediums too many medium uh, listeners
2: (laughs) (laughs) so either you know shrink down a little or grow a little but we got plenty of the other sizes but um, get them while we have them because yeah we're out of mediums and you can you can get those by emailing us at Weissmanpodcast at gmail.com.
1: If you bought a medium uh, for your growing boy and they grew out of it, <laughs> you can get a large.
2: Or you know you know, might want to put it up on eBay at this point that uh coveted medium Fred Weissman was right shirt. <laughs>
1: out of print. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, enjoy our talk with Leo Goldsmith. Thank you.
3: Good
1: week. Welcome back to Wiseman Podcast. We're here with our guest, Leo Goldsmith. Leo is the assistant professor of culture and media at Eugene Lang College of Liberal Arts. Um, I believe he's also the advisor to the selection committee of the New York Film Festival and uh, also a, a critic, a film critic all over the place. Recently, you had a, a piece on Ferrari in four columns and uh, <laughs> as well as a piece on uh, the best short films of 2023 in film comment. How are you doing, Leo?
4: doing great doing 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 very well i don't think we'll get to ferrari today but
1: uh <laughs> oh, that's a shame <laughs> um uh, i liked that movie but uh i i looked before we started to see how long it, it it's been since i asked you to do this and i was shocked that you committed to this almost two and a half years ago <laughs> so thanks <laughs> well, for you've had a lot
4: of you've had a lot of films to get through uh, in that's the meantime, right so you know yeah Th-
1: thanks for being patient and still wanting to be on yeah, no,
4: happy to be here. Thanks for the invite once again.
1: Yeah. Pleasure. Uh so what was your introduction to uh the films of Frederick Wiseman?
4: Uh yeah, it's funny. I was I, I'm, I'm my my goal for today is not to sound like a like a like I'm a thousand years old. But um <laughs> uh because it's funny, I just was sort of I figured you'd ask me that and I was reminiscing about it. I mean, I think I I don't think I saw anything until college. Um I may have you know I may have seen some, you know, briefly on on like PBS or something like that, but I sort of maybe was dimly aware of of him uh possibly, but I know that um uh the first film that I saw of his was The Store, which is still uh, my favorite of his films for lots of personal reasons. My dad was in retail and I definitely was in department stores in the early 80s and can have vivid memories of that so it's very uh, special to me but that was the first one that i saw I, I went to vassar college and at the time i don't know if they still do this but um they had a really great cinematech student-run cinematech where it was just like two three bucks and everything was on film uh for the most part and i know that they did a i, I think they did a bunch of wiseman films and i just sort of maybe by chance kind of dropped into the store and saw that and maybe a couple more Um yeah, and it was uh and you know, and and after that, I mean I maybe saw a bunch of them, but it was I I graduated uh from college in '99. And I remember this was like right after college, and I was, you know, had nothing to do. And well, I had things to do, but you know, I was you know, I was spinning my wheels back in my Mm -hmm. hometown and Belfast, Maine was on TV, you know, oh wow uh the the following February. Yeah uh, and, and that Sort of brought me back into, and I, you know, I then tracked a bunch of his films down, and you know, saw more and more. And
1: wow! So you saw it on on its original broadcast run.
4: I recorded it on uh, on VHS. You know, I mean, uh, this some 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 of your listeners will not remember, will not know this, but you know, VHS blank VHS, and you could you could set it to the really fast That's recording right. speed to get a really shitty quality, but still uh, fit it all onto one cassette. You know, one cassette, and I had that for a while. I don't know if I still have that.
1: That, that VHS but one of my um one of my highest achievements is is that my uh my master's thesis is cited on the on the wikipedia for for VHS amazing <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is and, and it's funny I only bring it up because it's uh it was all about like home tapers like uh so doing that is very interesting to me Very cool. Um, and I'm curious like what happened to a lot of those tapes that people, because a lot of people did that with Wiseman's films.
4: Yeah. And in fact, I mean, you know, as you guys probably know, and I think it's a kind of interesting dimension to his films and maybe how they've changed over the years, how their, their reception has changed over the years is that they weren't easy to find. You know, you really couldn't find them. Um, and I remember, I think probably around that same time, um, you know, I was curious to see more. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I got, you know, kind of via interlibrary loan, uh, mm-hmm. the local library, some of them on VHS, because uh, you could find them within, institution, within institutions. Right. Um, but, you, you know, you otherwise you really wouldn't be able to see them unless you caught them on TV. Or happen to see a kind of a screening and things.
1: Were you getting Were you getting the tapes through uh, interpersonal ILL, or were you getting the okay? Because I know some schools had like the you know the little uh, sixteen millimeter rooms and stuff like that. Sure. Um, Yeah,
2: I've I've been diligently looking for. Any kind of like official VHS from Zipporah, at mm. like that might have been in an institutional library at the time. And I've, mm-hmm. I've yet to find one. Um, so I'm impressed about that. But, but I think I do recall, I think Robert Green was telling us some of the Kim's stock was just recorded off of PBS.
4: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think I did definitely around that time I moved to New York and was able to see more from Kim's, which were definitely more dodgy copies (laughs) as, as, as the case, you know, as, as that happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that they weren't, I don't know that they were plentiful, but I definitely saw a couple of films, I think that way. Um, and I know later on, um, I definitely saw primate, uh, on a copy that I got out of NYU's library. I'm pretty sure um because of course I know, and I know you guys have 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 read and quoted from some of the um not coming uh reviews that we did in the you know kind of 2008 I think it was in mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. yeah. um and that was really uh an interesting project because that was motivated by the fact that at that time he was releasing his own films on DVD uh actually DVDR <laughs> 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 even more media archaeology for your uh, people to google um you know, which was really interesting. And, you know, at the time we were sort of interested in covering films that were kind of hard to see and, and weren't, you know, widely available. And that was a sort of era of like Netflix mailing DVDs to you. Yeah. And, you know, Zipporah was not in on that, uh, For sure. that game, but, 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 <laughs> but, but Fred and company were, were doing, you know, DVDRs um of all of the films kind of slowly rolling them out. And uh, I don't know how I got wind of it, probably just through like online chatter but we were i was like well let's let's do this and and what was i'll tell you a brief this is you can cut this out because maybe it's just boring as hell but the um the way that we did it is that you know if it was a big company they just mail you the dvds Uh they wouldn't care but zipporah small operation um uh uh, they were like well uh, great you want to review all of them cool we'll mail you some and you can write about those and just send them back to us. And then when we <laughs> get them back, we'll send you some more. So it was this whole, oh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. this
4: whole like trafficking of DVD, DVRs. He's,
1: <laughs> he's still, he's still, uh, uh, wounded from Kubrick, not sending back, uh, Exactly. Basic training.
4: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it was funny. And, and, and the writer's, I mean, we, many of us were in New York, but some of them, some of us weren't. So it was like this whole oh, bizarre yeah, process of me receiving these DVDRs, mailing them out to people. <laughs> so the whole thing was that, that whole thing happened really, really quickly. Yeah,
1: um, not exactly uh, a screener link.
4: No, exactly. Different times have changed. Times have changed.
1: So when you were seeing, um, like Belfast on TV or the store early on, like, what was it before you had like a grasp, a larger grasp of his work? Like, what was it that? drew you to his work or that, that appealed to you?
4: I think it was the patience in a way, or the kind of the, the, the sort of sincerity of the project in a a way. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I had much of an idea of um, documentary, you know, when I encountered the story, I wasn't particularly interested in documentary as a, as a genre, you know, it's now it is one of my areas of expertise, I guess um, uh, in what I teach. But, it, you know, at the time I didn't really know, and I guess I hadn't probably even really seen that many, um, of the kind of, you know, like classic American, you know, uh, kind of sort of sixties, seventies, eighties documentaries, uh, to kind of compare it to. So I wasn't really, um, so I, I was quite impressed by that as a kind of exercise of just sort of kind of, kind of patient, kind of sincere kind of curiosity about, about people without, without much sort of, overt interference in terms of commentary and things like that. And I think, and this is something that I I feel like I've mentioned in other writing on Wiseman is I think what I recognized about it. I mean, I think Wiseman is distinctive in a lot of his own ways, but it really does also in his, his project really does fit quite well with this project of the sort of 60s, 70s public television of the kind of um, Mm -hmm. real interest in, in, in making the processes of civic right. life in America kind of transparent to people and the way that he talks about, uh, uh, you know, um, and, and in some ways I feel like this is is something that I, I think is in danger of getting lost in how people understand Wiseman's work. Um, because of course in some ways he's unique, but he's also part of this much larger sort of project than, you know, I, I think I, I, I recognized, you know, and I, I mentioned this maybe in a, in a, in a, in a, I think maybe in my Belfast main review from, Low those many years ago, I recognize this kind of almost you know, um, you know this kind of thing that you would see on Mister Rogers of like okay, right. let's watch let's watch how 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 crayons are made, you know for like <laughs> for like probably one minute on Mister Rogers but you know and, and with Wiseman it would be ten minutes you know and it would be mm-hmm. and and this that this process itself was important to kind of understand as a you know if you were just a sort of if you were just a person in the world why would you not want to know. Right where crayons come from
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know. yeah yeah you uh, you mentioned something about um the sort of like marxist materialist reading of that, which is interesting because i I think that the Marxist readings started popping up around meat uh mm. in nineteen seventy six which is all that it's all yeah, understanding the pro- understanding the process mm-hmm. um and here, you know, this this draws a lot from from meat, so it's interesting that that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, and, and we see like, for instance, the package in the supermarket of the the salmon, and then like right after that, we get to see the whole process <laughs> of how it's made. It's it's incredible.
4: Yeah, or baked stuffed potatoes. Yeah, I'm a hu- I like. I really like potatoes, so I, I really like that <laughs> sequence in particular. But. Um, you know, I mean, it's really quite amazing. And I and I mean, I actually don't even know. I mean, I know that um, uh, Salome Aguilera uh, Skir- uh, Skvorsky, i probably butchering uh, their name, uh, wrote a book called The Process Genre, specifically about this kind mm-hmm. of genre of, of, you know, works, uh, you know, uh, films that follow like, you know, labor and often kind of uh, assembly line kind of, you know, uh, um, Sort of Taylorist sort of work methods and things like that. And it's interesting. I was thinking about it because it, it's something that I very much associate with Wiseman, but actually, you know, he's definitely interested in work, but this kind of factory process sort of work, is actually not something that comes up all that much. I mean, meat, of course, and it comes up in several uh, different iterations in, in Belfast, Maine, but it's actually, he's actually much more interested in these sort of more, more maybe more like human to human interactions, you know, throughout his career. He's not so much interested in like let's say the factory in the way that yeah. comes up so much in meat and Belfast made.
1: Yeah. yeah. A, adjustment and work is a big one. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, going to say,
2: you got to bring up adjustment and work too. Sure. I think th- those are the two main ones that I think this film calls back to in that regard, um, mm-hmm. in terms of processing and the assembly line. But I think it's, it, you know, there's so much labor types of labor depicted in Belfast, um, assembly line, you know, kind of stands out because like you guys were saying, it has this sort of how it's made, uh, appeal to it. Um, that, that discovery show, uh, kind of, you know, if you put a narration over some of those sequences, it might be (laughs) exactly like that. Um, but you have in this, like, actually thinking specifically about adjustment and work, there's this, the Belfast industries, um, that is, uh, you see all these people, who seem to be have some kind of mental disability, um, like hammering oh, a wood yeah, peg yeah. into like a wood ball, and maybe assembling like a wood toy horse. It looks mm-hmm. like it might be, mm-hmm. um, but but sort of the um, spectrum of assembly line labor here. You know, from the like fully mechanized, and maybe this is somewhere in the middle, and then like to the pure like. Uh, hand craftsmanship of like a chocolate donut, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like, I think, I think Weissman said in uh, a screening Q&A about this film, I think that the organ, his organizing principle for this is work. Mm. Um, So, so I think, you know, that sort of radiates out through all the sequences and you're sort of asked to think through the relationship from what you're watching from a a standpoint of labor and a, a lens of of work practices uh, pretty much throughout.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. In, it's it's also interesting to kind of hop around a little bit uh for a second to think about like so uh in in making relationships between the work and the place um something like Ex Libris has like almost a shot for shot remake of the like Sardine Factory but with the books mm. and it's like <laughs> But but there's a different tenor because he he's because because the library is like this holy sacred public quiet place. <laughs> and, and like I mean you know it just doesn't have I think it's there but it doesn't have the same like overbearing alienation to it that some yeah. of these scenes have especially something like the baked potato where the sound uh, over it is just like <laughs> so overwhelming and just like just like uh, you know. You see people on the
2: line wearing, you know, ear yeah, yeah, dampening, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but
1: it, and Leo, you talk in your uh review from 2008 about um about this uh perpetual motion to like wake up, go to work, go to like keep some appointments, like uh attend a class, blah blah blah. And um and you talk about how like th- how important the idea of labor is to the spiritual and intellectual fabric of the town. Um and I think it's important to ask yourself regarding this film, like, like what life would be like if you had one repetitive task to do every day, and maybe you do, um, and you wake up and did that, went home, did it again the next day, and now something like Sam, like the salmon processing or the donut making, certainly looks more appealing to me than the baked potato or the <laughs> sardine plant. But I think Wiseman is is, is reflecting on how we have oriented. Our life around an economy that necessitates this kind of labor, at least in 1999, mm-hmm. in a town like this. Um, and what's great about his his uh, technique is that he's building that ability to reflect within the duration of these passages. So you know, we're watching this for 10 minutes. It gives you so much time to like just think about um, you know uh, that the editing technique, uh, what the actual task is, what their their life is. It's open to you to to discover. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, of course, also to think about in that process, also Wiseman's own ways of working, which are which are meticulous and and uh, and right, yeah. don't seem to let up very much at all. No. Although it is also interesting, <laughs> I think I think it's also funny and worth mentioning that, like Aspen. Belfast, Maine was a place that he, I think he vacationed and maybe, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he does <laughs> yeah. anymore. I think he, I think he may have ruined that, that vacation spot for himself. Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> go
3: so, but. Somebody <laughs> asked
2: him why Belfast and he said, because he wanted to make a film where he can uh, edit it at home yeah, <laughs> or, or he could live at home while he was shooting it. But yeah. I, talk,
1: I, I talked about that with, with menu Plus Zero, of like this, this, um, this contrast between uh well you were talking about how he's more interested in this human to human interaction that's definitely true of the of the 21st century films um and something like many plus Year is all about collaboration and it is funny to think about like him at home just like working by himself for 12 hours a day on this film about the beauty of collaboration <laughs> yeah yeah well, <laughs> and,
2: and too you gotta like you know i i often Talk about this with regards to the doc um hands on a hard body, mm-hmm. but there there are certain films where the filmmaker by by the very nature of picking this subject, sort of becomes a participant in a certain way, like those filmmakers had to stay up and shoot the whole thing while the people were doing it over three days like here over and over again, I feel like you see Weissman and Davy getting up at like the crack of dawn you know and spending you know probably hours on site you know the the stinson cannery scene um which i should mention briefly uh weissman was not the first uh documentarian to to get to uh, robert kramer's route one usa terrific film um Hmm. also uh featured a scene there um but uh yeah he had a couple
1: friends like showing him around or like yeah, he, he has a couple
2: thank yous in the end credits. Um, like Jim Davis, I think was one of them. Um,
1: but I can imagine that's how we got to like the the um skinning of the the foxes, <laughs> like just well, the garage.
2: I was thinking the this one, you know, thinking about labor, thinking about individuals within community, like the the lone hunter scene, the camel oh, guy know. out in the woods with the bow and arrow. You know, yeah. like. Like, how does he come across that kind of thing, you know? And it's probably just sitting in the donut shop, you know, keeping his ears open. He said people started suggesting him stuff once they kind of knew he was around and in town and what he was doing. But like the, just the fact that he, he, you know, he says he spent about four hours at Stinson Cannery. He probably would have had to spend roughly the same amount of time to get this, you know, two minute maybe sequence of this one guy in the forest, you know, and it's all important. And it's all you know. He gives stints in ten minutes because he says he wants to give viewers the impression of what it's like to work there. You know, like eight hours a mm-hmm. day for twenty yeah. years. Oh, yeah. um, but he, you know, even though this hunter scene lasts only you know two minutes, his he he gives them the same weight. I think in mm-hmm. terms of like importance to the structure and the themes of the film.
1: Yeah. That, that's that's such a, a haunting um, little passage because like Arlen and I talk about. The absence of outcomes in Wiseman's mm-hmm. work and what that means totally, yeah. uh, for how they resonate over the film. And you just get this lone hunter and you don't see what, he, like, you don't get an outcome. And, like, considering how much death is in this film and how much, yeah. like, death is, like, on the fringes of the film, it's mm-hmm. just like to have this guy out there and not, like, see him shoot or anything, it's just, like, so. Uh, I don't know. It's so evocative.
4: (laughs) And you leave him with
1: that. I think you
4: leave him with this shot that's quite, quite far, quite far away. But, but, but Fred has him, has him miked up with a lavalier that Mm -hmm. like is like, is like practically, you know, up his nostril and you just hear (laughs) everything. It's just a very odd and kind of disconcerting. <laughs> uh, kind of kind of moment in the film. I mean, I think I, you know. Certainly, I mean, what we're sort of maybe kind of dancing around here too is just the way that the film, and of course, there's a big exclamation point put on this when with the discussion of uh, the lecture on Moby Dick at the end, mm-hmm. is the way that maybe a lot of this film is really about you know, certainly changes in kind of labor and lifestyle in in New England specifically, and kind of maybe taking some of these tropes of you know kind of new england literature and new england like self mythology in a way but also maybe kind of examining them to some degree I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. the big emphasis on uh on on fishing uh throughout the film both as this kind of small you know kind of two-man operation uh as a kind of just like hobby fishing and then in this you know by the end of the film this is a massive industrial uh fishing component and then obviously also the different, the, the, the two, <laughs> two fish, fish right, some right, of the right, lines yeah, that we get yeah. to see throughout the film. Um, you know, I mean, it, I think it's a really interesting way of kind of getting at this sort of, um, again, this kind of mythologies that maybe mm. new Englanders maybe have about themselves. Um, uh, but trying to look at it in a little bit more, maybe kind of, I don't know, kind of different light or a certain kind of, I don't know, kind of steadier gaze in some way, not, mm-hmm. not too much to make it, you know, seem like, ah, the, you know, the, uh, ah, the old sea salts of New England here, you know, yeah. but actually to sort of maybe see the kind of longer, you know, trail of that and maybe some of mm-hmm. the, um, yeah, maybe seeing in the less kind of like
2: <laughs> You know, yeah, because you, you think he like runs a risk by opening his film with a lobster oh, boat, gosh. right? Like, you're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> is this going to be what this is? You know, kind of the stereotypical view, but I think you're right, he's like unpacking this mythology both in how outsiders view mainers and how mainers probably view themselves. You know, I'm sure things like, um, what was the tree nut, uh, nut farm, what were the right. taxidermy and the fudge? Yeah. Uh, Perry's nut farm. Uh, <laughs> you know, farm. that's gotta be an institution, a local institution, <laughs> right. right? That's what yeah. it seems like, you know, everyone yeah. stops through. So like, I, d- I definitely think, um, that that's a part of it. And both, it, reflects, it also reflects how uh, this theme of individuals within community and how communities sort of write their own narratives in, in terms of how they identify and distinguish themselves uh, from other communities, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that overture is so beautiful. And it, it, it speaking about this like sort of idea of mythology and, and how mythology is created in literature, you see that and you're like, oh, yeah, this this guy loves to read <laughs> books like just <laughs> yeah. the way it's like, oh, yeah, this is why they call him the like the novelist, the great American novelist or whatever.
4: Yeah. And I mean, I think it really comes through in this film in a way that maybe. Uh, and, I, and I think this is—I I think it's worth noting. I think this is kind of a special film. He's sort of talked about this film as being kind of a pivotal film for for him, not only because it seems to be almost this kind of index of like Wiseman mm-hmm. possibilities. Like, there's at least a dozen. Wiseman films in here already (laughs) you know and any of these people could potentially be uh, you know that any of these sort of situations that he's into could could be themselves an individual film Uh, but also just this kind of yeah this sort of interesting kind of literary kind of sweep to the film which which um, you know I mean you know it has a kind of I don't know relationship to things like Winesburg Ohio or something like that but 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 certainly to even to these kinds of um, maybe this sort of Maybe more specifically, kind of New England literature of, yeah. of certainly Melville, but even kind of a certain Emersonian kind of Dickensian vibe Dickensian. to it, yeah. And even and and certainly in these in in the way that the film is shot, uh, emphasizing these kinds of landscapes and seascapes in a way that I think is, you know, he always has these sort of pillow shots or these kinds of establishing shots, but I think in this film it's they're particularly striking, and especially yeah. that opening montage is mm-hmm. is like is quite wild actually it reminded yeah. me to think of another cambridge filmmaker I, I, it reminded me of robert gardner's forest of bliss it's so uh i don't know if that's a film that if you've seen it it's about mm-hmm. Varanasi. it's a problematic ish film you know it's a by, you know harvard ethnographer in, you know, uh-huh. in 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 india but it's a it's a it's an i mean gardner was an amazing um well, he was an amazing interviewer. Of course, he, he had a, a PBS show. He interviewed a lot of interesting filmmakers, but he was also a really amazing editor. And the opening sequence of Forest of Bliss is like one of the great, I mean, it's just incredible. Huh. Opening sequence, very similar, actually, I think, to, this, to this opening, you know, foggy water and and, yeah, and, yeah. and also the presence of 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 death just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It, it,
1: it, there's, uh, gosh, there's so much... Uh, <laughs> in in this But um, I was thinking The Weinsberg, Ohio thing is a good call too But th- this idea of like Especially coming off public housing But like yeah. choosing this subject um, It doesn't have the burden Of representation or the burden Of like a point that something like Near death or public housing does That allows mm-hmm. him Like there isn't like the big like even Like tennis house scene From Central Park Uh, or you know the dispensary scene from city hall like it doesn't have this sort of like big um, pivotal scene that that uh, the whole community is around like it just has this sort of like like i said everything is on the fringes here
4: Mm.
1: i feel like it
2: has it kind of accumulates those scenes maybe though through a few scenes i mean i think you'd say probably the the key scene we touched on already is is the high school uh, right, Moby right. Dick lesson, but you also get City Hall. You also get um, uh, the the sort of city health speech that's happening that gives us a ton of exposition about you know the ailments that the town suffers from, you know high smoking rates, obesity, et cetera. Oh yeah, sure. You you also and you also get um, the. Uh, judge the sent like sentencing (laughs) scene which is great features a parade of amazing names guy named Thomas Thomas guy named Larry Gary my roommate (laughs) in,
1: in college his name is Tommy Thomas that always um, throws it, incredible also but we got our like, <laughs> cousins in <there> too. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I noticed that
2: too yeah. and and a john marshall in the city hall scene oh, that's, was, that's that crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah right you got you've gotta think that weisman is, is just oh, like yeah.
3: he's just like i'm keeping it i don't care what he does. i'm keeping it
2: but like like the i think weisman's ear for you know people always say he doesn't have context he doesn't explain things but a picking up the exposition through the, these speechifications, you know, through these meetings, through these small elements, I think, you know, through a few of them, they really accumulate into this sort of central, the
1: the convenience store, diner shop, whatever, which is like, it's recalled in, in Monrovia like big time, but um just them talking about trees and like getting rid of the old and ruining the structure. Yeah, it's just like yeah, in his position yeah. in the beginning. And then, yeah. so you just get to like, see how it's played out. Yeah. He's doing it all through, through these editing choices. Yeah. And
4: I mean, it, it is interesting just to think about how, you know, this idea of maybe of, of, a kind of redundancy that's in there, that's sort of like built into the to the film, which I think is quite nice. I mean, obviously, a different filmmaker would be like, okay, let's wrap this up in mm-hmm. you know 80, eighty minutes, and we surely don't need you know uh, the sardine factory and the salmon smokery. <laughs> we could pick one. Um, I also think it's just like in really telling that he obviously has a big sweet tooth cause he gets, he, we get to watch both the, the donuts and oh, the chocolate man. cake. Oh in, yeah. In yeah. Fall, which is just like, <laughs> I mean, just fantastic. Um, yeah. And I, and I, and, and even, you know, I mean, this is, I, I think, you know, very, very him in a way or, or you know, I mean, but the idea of, seeing different churches or different kinds of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and getting a kind of a sense of of this community from different, you know, different, like kind of continuing education classes, different forms of education, Um, multiple, multiple sort of social worker scenes. Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, it's also interesting to think this is a few years, this is like five years or so before Romney Care. So this is uh, Uh. is pre, uh, (laughs) this is is, is very much in the old world of, uh, of, uh, you you know, like 90s sort of, you know, social work kind of, um, kind of vibe which is of course something he's very familiar with mm-hmm. but in the context of this film I think um, you really have these great um, just these great little portraits of of, of people you know um, yeah, uh, Leroy the guy who, who's, oh who's cutting down yeah. from eight packs a day to three packs a day uh, is just I- incredible and and you know I don't know there's, there's so many things to say about that I mean yeah. considering that his next film is domestic violence I think uh, is mm-hmm. that right? Um next, it's next really doc, interesting, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting kind of you know range of things that he gets in there, include and, and also is you know obviously filming sunsets yeah
1: well the the last hour of the movie like almost exactly starts with the twilight, and you're just like, okay, here we go and again, it goes to these like literary devices that you know mm-hmm. like you get the orange ball of fire, the like delillo thing that uh, is repeated all over. Like, it's just, it's all very literary and, and it's clear that, yeah, Wiseman seems to be comfortable, very comfortable here. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. I think the other, um, you mean uh, um, the, the, the element of, of fishing, which I think is also kind of interesting to me is just the way that it comes up uh you know sort of fishing and hunting being these kinds of things that like again the sort of romantic ideals of like new england and what what you know what the locals might sort of see about themselves and how that's um you know kind of just present again that that idea of redundancy it's just presented in lots of different contexts for lots of different reasons there's the guy who shoots the wolf and then there's the other person who's i don't think it's the same guy but maybe it is um uh, uh, who's, you know, the hunter earlier, and then there's the other person who's doing the taxidermy. Um, you know, there's the idea of, of, of fishing and all these different, you know, as I was mentioning before, all these different sort of levels of kind of professionalism and industrialization. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I, just to, just to think about how, how much he's able to get out of, Each individual one, but also this accumulation of of different versions of that, I think, is also really, really fascinating as as somebody who's trying to kind of create a portrait of a of a Mm -hmm. of a town which, you know, he, he had done before, I think, but in a very, I think a very different, I think it's a very, very different film from, oh, for from sure. Aspen, for sure. Not just because they're oh, in yeah. places. Oh, yeah. It's like Bizarro but,
1: Aspen. <laughs> yeah. I
4: mean, and not just because they're so, so different, you know, socioeconomically, et cetera, et cetera, and geographically and all that kind of thing, but also just because his perspective is clearly very different. I mean, you know, right. Aspen is just some, yeah. so much of the different, um, you know, it's, it's, you know Aspen is one of those films where it's like you know if you really think this guy is just a fly on the wall you should see you know you should watch Aspen it's just not it's not it has much more not polemic of course but but it just it's just I think it's clearer that he's really going for something a bit more specific in his point of view with that one where Belfast Man really seems to be quite open to yeah lots of different possibilities like a whole cosmos
1: Aspen is just so full of characters too in a way that Belfast is I mean like animated scene
4: yeah
2: the the one the one scene that had me thinking about aspen was the the like african drum circle oh, class yeah. That's a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: God, it's well crazy. it's also maybe maybe the only time you see a person of color in the entire film I think there's like one or two others <laughs> yeah well. there's yeah, a couple there there are a few um, it,
2: it's roughly equivalent to the amount of white people in public housing
4: yeah, 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 So but it's really yeah. Go ahead. One
1: of the important things, though, is is all of the arts that he surveys here. Uh, I think it can be easy to to talk uh, about the film without mentioning the fact that he goes to like ballet classes and choir yeah. and thinner at the colonial uh, <laughs> or um, uh, theater rehearsal. Obviously, with death of a salesman, we we yeah. see some some live rock music at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
4: That's that the cut. The bar band. The bar band to the African drumming. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, you know. Choose your fighter. <laughs>
2: which also that was the John Denver scene in Aspen at the the right, bar. Yeah, right, right. Kind of like the, yeah. yeah. the
1: choir conductor though, talking about like reading about time periods when you visit them through art. It's just like one of these classic yeah. Weisman like direct message to the to the future <laughs> viewers kind of thing because yeah. t- you know Belvest, if it's nothing if not a portrait of 1999, um, mm-hmm. which I was going to ask you, uh, Leo. I saw that last fall you taught about the nineties in cinema. <laughs> did you, did yeah. you, did you teach any, any Wiseman? In I that? didn't
4: No. Uh, the, I, I, yeah, I do teach this class on the nineties. It's more about kind of popular film and just looking at the history of the nineties and I teach undergrads. So none of them yeah, are yeah, sure yet. So, uh, it's a way again, another way of making me feel really, really
1: old. You know, <laughs> um, you don't want to be like, here's this four hour documentary. <laughs> 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 I,
4: mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I do. But no, I mean, and actually there, there probably would be other films that I would, I would probably do high school too, actually would be my my 90s pick. That would be my like,
2: yeah. It's funny to think about these two films, I guess, as, as bookending the 90s Yeah, both Mm -hmm. in terms of sort of culture and in terms of, like, Weissman's approaches and perspectives. Um, You know, Weissman said Aspen was, he felt a little mean, perhaps, on his part. You know, pretty cutting and biting. You know, I think a lot of reviewers mark note this period as him softening something Mm -hmm. he comes up against, but I think so many people notice it, it's kind of hard not to consider it to some degree. Um, But, you know, also thinking about just this as a 1999 film being so mm. invested in, you know, the times are changing, transitional uh, of a community. Um, just thinking about, you know, just all the great end of the millennium films. You know, I'm thinking about like Ghost Dog, uh, yeah. things Strange like Strange Days, yeah, yeah, The Matrix, right. stuff like that. Like there's there's this this prevalent anxiety, you know, that's in the film right. and also in the town. Of mm-hmm. like yeah. you know so- something foreboding, and I think going just going back briefly to the opening, you know, where we're talking about these foggy docks, um, it kind of it lasts long enough that it that it builds this impression in the viewer, I think, of of something to come, something's about to happen, we're gearing mm-hmm. up for something in a way, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to play out over the next four hours and next you know century,
1: and I, th- yeah. I think there, there's um some press material I don't know if it was in like the actual Zipporah but I I read it I don't know if you read it Arlen in like the Montreal like film festival yeah, um, yeah, yeah. thing he he has this longer quote which I thought was was much more forthcoming than he would be now totally um yep. and he's talking about like Maine as this place with this uh, civil war history and all of these traditions. And then he says, will it be deserted or gentrified under under the pressures of economic change? Which of its traditions will endure and how will new ways and new people alter its rhythms? Which makes me think even more that like it's, it's kind of validating to feel after you watch this film and think about how much this film is questioning uh, what's to come. Um, mm. it's, it's like, he, he's designed it as a piece a, a, about what's to come in, in, in America in the next, in the next century. And, you know, uh, you know, the internet and, uh, MBNA, it still is crazy to me. Like I watched this last, like a couple of years ago before this week, and MBNA is such a towering thing in this film. And then you don't get it until there's 11 minutes left. Like you just keep, yeah. it, okay, it's coming sometime. And you're like, it's there for like, I always remember
4: seconds. it. Yeah. I always remember it as this big sequence, but it's not a long sequence at all. And probably just knowing, you know, how he works, he probably didn't have that much time there. They probably were like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can, you can be here for 10
1: minutes. Yeah. But he they, goes, Oh, I see yeah, that. Right. Think of yourself as a customer thing. And just incredible. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Exactly. And it's a really fascinating moment in the film. And it comes right before this sort of re, really dreary kind of ending that's like mm-hmm. really about hardship and life changes and then ends with like shots of graveyards, you know, it's in case you didn't get the point that death was like very much looming in this film. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so somber. And, and the idea of this elderly population, especially kind of, you know, the elderly kind of rural population that needs all this care or that, you know, that maybe the community sort of kind of struggles to provide for in some kind of way as being this sort of, very much about i think in the themes of this film is this kind of like dying out of older ways but dying out of a certain population and the kind of emergence of this um more sort of like finance oriented kind of class or this kind of other sort of different you know very different who you don't really see otherwise in the film other than perhaps in the you know african drumming class or maybe (laughs) maybe there's some people who are in the you know i don't know community theater group or something like that but um you know yeah and it's a, i think it's just a really interesting kind of index of just the sort of changes that are happening in the country at that time um, you know, and this is his 30th film. So he, right. I think, I think 30th, his his 30th doc.
1: Film.
4: Yeah. Yeah. 30th doc. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know, he's probably not that superstitious about numbers, but you know, <laughs> he was also, he, he was also 70 around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. he Which got a lifetime achievement award at the, around that time. I think, you know, and, and I, I think this particular moment too, you know, and I was also reading the Philip Lopate New York times profile mm-hmm. that came out around this film. You know, there was a sense, I think, that Wiseman was really becoming kind of more recognized as a national figure. I mean, you know, Lopate says, who is the great American filmmaker of the last 30 years? Is it Kubrick? Is it Spielberg? Is it, you know, it's like, maybe it's Fred Wiseman, you know. And and it's like, that's like, probably it was probably... A, a big thing for him at that time you know and and probably most people were like yeah this guy's winding down he's 70 he's probably got a couple more in him and <laughs> crazy and you know, he'll be done <laughs>
1: it opened yeah it opened the uh the lincoln center then Walter Reed uh, retro that kent jones um uh put together in 2000 early 2000 and i think that was like a huge deal yeah. uh for him going forward
4: and i think also just even in terms in terms of his you know his his profile uh, even amongst sort of cinephiles and because because of his association with public television i, I think a lot of people just didn't really think about him as a hmm. major filmmaker i mean or just even even really think of him as somebody that they needed to you know a documentary of course that had different um uh, uh, you know, had to have maybe a, a different kind of uh, itself, a kind of different profile at that time. Sure. Uh, just amongst kind of uh, in, in cinephile circles. But um, I think, so I think this film in particular and that kind of, that, I don't know, really sort of pushed him into a kind of a different, um, maybe different audience. And, 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 and also, which is also to say that the nineties, the of course, um, uh, you know, were a big time in the eighties and nineties were a big time of change in public television too. And I, 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 don't think he would ever be candid about, about this himself. No. Um, but you know, I'm sure just the changes in his own funding, uh, the changes in obviously and just in, not even just for his own funding, but the changes in funding for documentary and other mm-hmm. kinds of content on, on PBS at that time, uh, um, were really we're really changing and we're really in, th- you know, it, there was probably, uh, probably have been a number of moments in his career when he's like, this might not work anymore. You know, I might have to do something else. And he's somebody who's always survived on, I mean, all of it, I think, I think still all of his films are, are, are supported by, um, corporation for Public
1: broadcasting. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, um, before we, we get too far away from the MBNA scene, I wanted to couch it in its, um, sequence specifically, which, um, after the salmon processing we get the which comes after the high school scene um we get the social worker scene where the woman reveals that she had a miscarriage and then right after that we get this um handmade fudge processing so this like remnant of the old world right and then and then the mbna quick sequence and then it goes to this guy painting um and then i think maybe a shooting range second painter by the yeah, way yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> speaking of redundancy and, right <laughs> um and and then i think maybe the shooting range and the mm. the prayer and the cemetery which that sequence is just like right out of canal zone um but um but this idea of like like death the this old world thing and then this new uh, economic thing and then watching this guy actually do his artistic process like so closely um is is just like it's beautiful work. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the way that he's, he's making meaning out of just uh, associative editing is, is
4: great. Yeah. It's interesting too. I, w- I, I wanted to, I couldn't figure out, I was trying to fix, see if there was any way to figure out who the painters were. Um, the first guy okay. seems to be a, um, seems to be like a local like sort of landscape painter, like the kind of person who's, you know, you would see in any kind of like main street shop that you would buy you know on vacation you would want to buy a little painting from your trip and it seems a little bit you know uh, you know novelty kind of of. novelty yeah exactly I mean I'm trying not to be condescending here but the kind (laughs) of thing that that people would you know think of is just kind of you know like uh, yeah like whatever Is the second artist the second guy guy seems more of like a professional is he representing
1: but is, is he reproducing a different one on a bigger scale is that what he's doing uh I have referring, to look at it again he's referring yeah. to a little one and then there's like marks already on this one yeah and
2: he, he like drew it in pencil okay but maybe, I think maybe I think he drew I it think like scale. like you're doing now Leo I mean the 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 film is almost bookended by these two painters and uh you know just all the different kinds of labor we see depicted I think it uh Weissman is is directing us to compare them, you know, uh and and see what the differences are, what the similarities are, and even within this, you know, small community under 6500 residents um doing the same, you know, type of labor in this case painting all the variances, all the little details that are different, you know, one guy is is, looks like he has a downtown studio, this guy's kind of out in the woods, you know, in a farm somewhere, you know, their styles are different, their techniques are different, you know, thinking back to what you were saying about, like, sardines versus salmon, you know, like, like, (laughs) obviously these are both seafood uh, products, but, like, you know, the, the differences between that, I think, I think it's furthers the respect for labor and the valoration of, you know, manual labor. And in, in particular, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's all work with hands, you know, literal mm-hmm. sense, manual labor. And I think that might be why we get so little of MBNA comparatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 don't know that, that Weissman maybe has the same respect for that sure. work, you know? Yeah. Um, but but I do I do want to go back to social work and, and talk about mm-hmm. that in a bit more yeah. depth because um they're just the film's punctuated by these mm-hmm. scenes. You know, they're they're relatively evenly spaced out and we have a lot of them. Um and I think there's also an element in this film that's a valoration of uh labor by women. All these social workers are women. Um yeah. most of the Stinson cannery line seems to be women. Uh, I think same with the salmon, you know, we, we, there, there are a lot of women working in Belfast. Um, but, uh, this kind of labor and also especially coming off of public housing where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, where are all the social workers for, <laughs> for this population? Right. But they're abundant in Belfast for, That's you know, whatever reason that isn't really touched upon. But, you know, the, I guess going back to kind of this literary our town idea, but like looking, looking at the forest and looking at the trees, right? Like the community and the individuals, this is really the site of individuality as it relates to the institution. in in a way that we almost never get with Weissman, you know, because he's always going to the institution, but here the institution is coming to the individuals. There's this, this, uh, symbiosis. And obviously we have the scene in the hospital too, where it's the more typical situation, but like, like, um, you know, if, if if we're thinking about Weissman as this great institutional portrait, portraitist, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the town as an institution, um, then going into the homes is necessary. But finding the way to do that, that's sort of connected into the institutional project and further builds out this web of interconnectivity, like, uh, I think it's really key to the structure of the film and the themes, but, you know, it's, I mean, each of these themes also are just kind of Individually, like bravura, like mind-blowing stuff from from the senior already talked about uh, with the cartons, which you know it's understandable 13 dollars $13 a carton. It's not that much, um, you know. To to picking nits out of the <laughs> picking, hair, yeah, you know, like I'm talking like about and, like her
1: daughter growing up too fast. Like every, they're yeah. they're
2: all so rich, and the film has so many of them, and yeah, just in between all the things of labor, you know, the nitpicking too. That's manual labor too. It's hands uh right and and i i I forget what it comes right after um the uh the painting the painting the first painting scene okay interesting but right like so so i think also going back to public housing sorry i'm rambling a bit but also going back to public housing the um idea that uh no I was really rambling I lost it but is this, is this sparking anything for you guys
3: <laughs>
2: I was too going much, somewhere too much. I, I totally
4: went off the rails but yeah no I mean I think you're right I mean and, and it's interesting that that yes in other films he would be more localized to a particular building or set of buildings where he would just be able to follow these you know different threads but that is an interesting distinction here which is sort of I guess it's not unique, but it's, you know, it's somewhat unusual is that he's really falling into, into, you know, um, the sort of domestic space to, to see this kind of work in action. And that's the thing that, you know, for him, if we think again, if we, yeah, if you do think of Belfast Maine as the, the quote unquote institution that he is, that he is sort of, um, it's like, how does like, how does like society work? You know, it's like, he's not just like, how do people, you know, how do people get, you know, welfare, you know, it's like, how does, (laughs) how does society function, you know, in this, place at this particular time
1: um, the, the work that they're doing in social work is is really like the way that they're communicating is not condescending at all it's like really trying to make progress with these with these people and giving them their space like giving them space to represent themselves well and um uh, it i don't know it, it's it's nice to see like w- in public housing the, the work that we saw in domestic spaces were was um was like plumbing or um the uh you know the control pest control um yeah. which is also interesting uh juxtaposition mm. um as well mm-hmm. as like police he said he rode around in police cars here um mm. i think there's there's only like two shots of police cars one of which is like a, a police car with its lights turned on and i think there it are a right- few there are a few uh, the the, w- the one where they turn on their lights is like right after the like group of liberals talking about like traditional marriage um which is <laughs> kind of funny <laughs>
2: yeah yeah that, that was one to me like the most pointed through line from public housing the police cars and oh, yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's important that we, we see the cars but we never see it in officer like we do in public right, housing yeah. you know yeah, they're yeah. never getting out of the cars but then we have this uh, like sentencing arraignment scene that sort of shows the result of you know what all these police cars are out there up to just kind of busting mushrooms and weed minor and, claims and, and, yeah wood yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Mr. Dwyer you're being charged with two separate
0: offenses of being the owner or keeper of a dog found roaming at large, specifically on September 30th, 1996, in the town of Monroe, and again on October 11th, 1996, in the town of Monroe. Do you understand the complaints, sir? Yes, sir. And how do you plead? Guilty. Awesome. Your Honor,
2: on 930-96,
3: The dogs had come across the road, two of them had snapped and growled at and Mrs. Hall's young daughter, Kate. Uh, Kate was up in her driveway at least 30 feet, she was not bitten was very scared. Uh, this had been an
2: ongoing problem, and then on 10-11-96, um, complainant had called in and said that the dogs were back over there, that one of them was inside of the, uh, the garage. That they had come, in to come over on their property again and they had somehow closed the door off so that the dog was inside of the garage. And when the officer went over to speak to Mr. Dryer, he did say that he did own the dog, but he didn't know where the dog was at that time.
1: Is there anything you'd like to say, Mr. Dreyer? No. Sir. You've indicated the, the first offense, the dog was uh, aggressive? Yes. Sir. And frightened
2: the child? He came over on their property, on the neighbor's property, and was aggressive to the child. Then the second time, the dog came over onto the property and they, they captured it inside of the garage.
0: All right, sir, on the first offense of September 30th, I'm going to impose a fine of $75. On the second offense of October, I'm going to impose a fine of $100. Are you prepared to pay the fines today? No, sir. You need time to pay? Then return here this afternoon at 1 o'clock and work on it then? Mark Cousins. Mark Cousins.
4: Yeah yeah DUIs and things like that, you know kind of like rural life and the night I mean you know god I mean, it, would, it would be different now, I think in a lot of ways, which is another element of the film which I think is i mean I, I'm not from maine and i I have been to Belfast, maine actually very briefly, but uh, but I, I was
1: gonna know, ask if you had ties to new England
4: um i i I go to Massachusetts a lot. But other than that, yeah, I have some family there. But but other than that, I not not really. I mean, I sure. grew up in the New York area, so I. But we would do vacation. You know, again, like Wiseman, I would go to vac- go on vacation. You know, <laughs> New England. Yeah. Right, right. Um You know, but I and I and actually, you know, I also think that uh, not to stray too too far from what you were you were just you were just talking about, Arlen. But the um the uh, you know, the other thing to say about this movie is it's just like an incredible vibe. I mean, it's just like the autumn. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it's I think like, you called call like, that like, and, like
1: ambient in in your review. It's and just I, I like so
4: that. yeah. It's just so like there's a there's a, obviously there's a lot in the film that's not that's not like cozy, but like it's clearly mm-hmm. like he really wants to. It really gets at this kind of like very specific sort of like Halloweeny kind of, <laughs> kind of thing, which I think is just like extremely pleasurable. You know, in addition to everything else.
2: I mean, it's almost like like you you have to have some lobster in it. You have to have. The changing of the leaves right that's just kind of like yeah. what people think about maybe in a way like public housing you kind of kind of had to shoot it in the dead of summer you know and it right. gives it that kind of vibe um, yeah. you know it. this is definitely imbued uh, with different qualities by the season all those yeah.
1: close-ups of Halloween uh, decorations are so fun Incred-
4: <laughs> and I mean I think that that you know again just, just, just I think I was saying this before about the the, the sort of like I don't know the, the, the sort of self-mythology I mean yes he's giving you that Norman Rockwell, mm-hmm. you know, thing because it's you know you're sort of expecting it, and then it lets you sort of then you get to delve into these things like the social work that are less you know less sort of charming you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I I was looking up. I found online a, a a relatively recent article about them screening the film, yep. like rescreening it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty seventeen. Uh, yeah, yeah. And talking about this, the the quote unquote controversy, and it, and it's not that interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, it's that what everybody what what happens kind of in, in a lot of places where you know the film is made and people are excited about it for some right. reason, and then they're like, "This is not my town." But of course, what their <laughs> objection was that was that it you know that it showed things yeah. that were real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that they're a touristy, they're like a quote yeah. unquote like touristy town, and that's yeah, exactly what this and, and it is
4: yeah. I mean, that's that that was my. I was up there uh, in that area for for a conference. Um, uh, this is a number of years ago, but actually, that was what struck me when I went there. Is that I sort of just drove through it really, and it's, I was like, oh, yeah. this is much more. Just like tour, like I don't, I don't see any taxidermy anywhere.
0: <laughs> you
4: know, where is the cannery? Um, uh, no, I. It was just much more touristy, like you know, mm-hmm. eat a lobster by the by the by the docks kind of kind of place, which is mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is fine in one aspect of it, but you know, and, and 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 Wiseman doesn't 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 get it doesn't he doesn't do that part of it exactly, but he, he he does other things that that hint at its sort of I don't know it's it's place within kind of the New England kind of. <laughs> I don't Which know, incidentally, that. all of that hard scrabble life is also part of that that New England. Totally, yeah. You know, the, I mean, everybody I know from New England. This was you know? right. Um, right.
2: This was from the Bangor times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And they, they kind of allude to, you know, the the cleaners, the bakery and the cannery we see in this film have been replaced by boutiques and restaurants and art galleries. Yeah. Um, but but the, the guy they quote, Mike Hurley, is the owner of the Colonial Theater we see doing the thinner screening. Um, amazing. And also amazing
4: that he's there for a thinner screening. <laughs>
1: I know. I know. It's crazy.
2: Also, um, a city city council person, you know, who who was the the quote like objecting voice, you know, basically uh, because he he thought it was too gritty, like you're saying, you know, he, right. he, it shows. Uh, the existence of poverty and and you got to think you know okay you you have some power measure of power in this town you uh object to its representation but you don't object to its existence you know yeah. in, in the real world
1: i doubt most of them like expected to see like the uh, supermarket like butcher with like a hunk of bleeding meat just like chopping away <laughs> but um i actually went to the colonial once uh, to see the last harry potter film uh, with some, <laughs> some campers from Freedom Maine, but um, Leo, I don't know. Were you going to say something about the the liberal group talking about marriage? I don't know if you if you had a thought. Uh, I
4: didn't have much of a thought, and I and I don't. I I I, I, d- I thought I took notes on that particular. I wasn't sure exactly what the group was. It seemed yeah. like maybe an LGBT. That's what group. I assume Yeah. Um, uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Actually,
1: I actually had this idea to do something about marriage, not just gay marriage, but we should have like a form on marriage. <laughs> and what, you know, and, and get... Uh, what, what it is. Yeah. What, what it is, what is it? The myths. <laughs> Where it came from. <laughs> I got it. Paul's interested.
3: You're
0: interested I can, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell. You've got oh, local... yes.
3: <laughs> well, what? I looked it up in, the, in, a, in an encyclopedia at the library that? the other day.
0: Oh, the
2: definition of marriage?
3: Yeah. Ah, what does it say? Well, it it is traditionally considered a union between a man and a woman, Mm -hmm. and um, sanctioned by a community, um, and it has to do with children, you know, having and raising children in a sort of legitimized situation. But the the encyclopedia, very interestingly, at the end of the article acknowledged, I think, felt that times have changed and um, that maybe <laughs> definitions could change too or the purpose of marriage um, mm-hmm. could, might be evolving yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I could remember specifically because I I just, I've been very offended by some of the things I've heard, there was something on public radio, uh, morning edition a couple of weeks ago which
1: Really oh, raised my
3: Oh, the editorial, the guy that just ranted, raved about marriage? Yeah, it was yeah. Um, David. I can't remember. He He's the author Brody. of Just yeah. Right. Uh, oh, Dead yeah. Right. That guy, yeah. They oh. They have him from time to time. And um, I, just, I just wished I had something I could zap off a response or that I had recorded it so that I could... Yeah. Um, respond to s- many of the th- the points i mean i I just felt like my marriage was completely <laughs> made por- valueless mm. for mm-hmm. um a variety of reasons bad, yeah. and well, did you that's did that's you hear a few that's days
0: that's
1: later the that something I really do hope we get it together to uh put on a forum like that about marriage and
0: what it, you know what is it about mm-hmm. and you know' cause i think it, i think I think that the notion of gay marriage really calls forth uh, more exploration,
1: more need to really talk about. There was a
3: wonderful letter by somebody who claimed himself as a conservative in the Bangor Daily News. Mm, Must have been one day last week. I just happened Mm -hmm. to see it. And he said he thought uh, he he supported the idea of gay marriage as Mm -hmm. far as providing stability. And um, yeah, I think it'd be great to do something like that.
1: Like, thinking about it as this rural place and our, like, connotations with, like, rural places. And obviously, he's, right, like, for sure. he's deconstructing, like, the different uh, viewpoints that you can find in, in rural places. But also, New England is interesting, too, because there are, like, like where I worked was um, a summer camp um, that was run by, like, these neo-hippies. Um, and that, those, like, I think that's fairly common for, like, you know, like, Manhattanites to send their kids to... Mm-hmm to maine to go to camp at these like liberal camps and so i think there is like this interesting um dichotomous relationship between like rural and like liberal uh population whether that's like transient or not um, totally Mm -hmm. there
2: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i mean it's it's complicating you know all of the like hunting and and fishing you know these kind of more republican coded activities and and work um Mm -hmm. with you know coupled with you know we already talked about the african drum circle but like that seems like a largely sort of liberal uh, crowd you know like like it seems. you know i think maine is sort of that that quintessential purple state um mm-hmm. we see we see we we got a brief shot actually before the um skeet shooting scene of a suit susan collins campaign sign stuck in the ground you know just thinking uh how long she's been around um yeah
4: <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, of course, you know, I, I think it's interesting how, you know, how obviously how, how divisive the sort of culture is now, but um, to think of to look back from our perspective now and, and, and look at some of these scenes, like the, the the thing that jumped out at me, of course, obviously, this gun culture and this hunting and things like that, which would be very you know, um, new again, New England, uh, sort of life. Um, and, you know, we might sort of think, that's sort of Republican coded or something like that, but I, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but the thing that the the scene that struck me in that, in that was actually the discussion about hunting and Vietnam. Oh yeah. uh, (laughs) By those guys. And I was like, (laughs) and that was a really interesting, because of course, you know, again, you know, this is, this movie is, you know, 24 years old, 25 years old. And, you know, at that point, you know, it wasn't (laughs) about the same amount of time, but, you know, back to, back to um, Mm -hmm. the Vietnam war and, and interesting to think about that uh, as being kind of in the sort of more sort of present memory yeah. uh you know, yeah um for, for those for those people there was obviously now it would, be, it would be you know the iraq war or something like that just the
2: guy objecting to like
0: so they used to deer the uh, uh, on over in Viet- vietnam they got some huge yeah, yeah. oh yeah, like oh, yeah. yeah. The, w- the warren oh, officers used to, used to go in there with them gunships and uh and deal with the gunships on the river. Yeah, well, right, right anywhere. Huh. Huge, two, two, a couple hundred pounds about, about, about all of them. Yeah, they used to take them down to Cameron Bay and sell them. <laughs> a little extra money. Black market. They ever, yeah, they ever got <laughs> black <caught>. market deer. <laughs> they ever got caught? They ever got hung. I'm sure they were black marketing more than just deer. I don't know about uh, that yeah Yeah. Yeah, he's not willing to
3: just go with him on that i love that but yeah Wiseman
1: heard somebody mention Vietnam as well this is making the cut Um, yeah but and and, uh yeah which also like this would make a great double bill with the plot against harry as like this rock like dark rock maine or or vermont you know kind of thing but in the fall but um also uh we we didn't talk about the, the um, Civil War historian, which oh, is yeah. which is also recalled in City Hall, um, mm-hmm. w- uh, which is uh, it, it's it's quite interesting, and, and it's also um, worth noting that he cuts on his line about like mm-hmm. uh, there's so much history and we're we're losing it. It sounded mm-hmm. too
2: like that was pretty deliberate. I think I oh, noticed yeah. kind of yeah. a, a franken cutting of yep, the lines, yep. you know, to make that the phrase. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right, right.
4: He's got he's got he's got, you know, three more hours to, to cut. So he's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Got to get to it. Um, actually, the thing that I was going to say, I, I, I was going to say before, and I wanted to just confirm it while we were chatting. But um, the scene, the going to the movie, the, the movie theater scene is is really fun. And you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like you know, Wiseman is it, it, <laughs> you know, movie movie buff. Wiseman doesn't really come out very much, but but actually, thinner was shot partly in Belfast, me. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, the that's okay. the double feature, thinner and uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently, um, yeah. So I don't know, yeah, I don't know, but I I, I don't I, I, I think I've seen thinner, but it's been a long time. It's anyway, been a long that, time. That would have been. I wonder if the if the residents uh, enjoyed their the, the like portrait Stephen of the town King. more he, from Stephen King than he's than
1: like. Than uh, from, Fred Enjoy wasn't. your cutout. He can't even come to the premiere. He's like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, here. I'm, I'm here.
4: They have
2: like a old timey car out front with like yeah. Thinner on the license plate. Yes. You're like, yeah. you know, they really used to put some uh, muscle into these. I, these I like that yeah. in 2017.
1: That movie. Go ahead. No, I was going to say
4: that that movie also. I don't know. It, um, uh, uh, thinner was also the movie that was it was released with um, a featurette uh, called Ghosts. Michael Jackson's Ghosts, which if, you, if you've <laughs> huh. never seen it. Is uh, I, I was a little disappointed it didn't come up in the movie, but uh, Wiseman probably was like, I'm going to film them going into the movie theater. I don't give a shit about dinner. Yeah. Um, but actually, Michael Jackson's Ghost is a fascinating artifact of the 90s and a really, really scary, bizarre, um, <laughs> quite incriminating film uh, huh. uh, that Michael uh, Jackson made uh. as a kind of follow-up to Thriller uh, where he is a pariah in a, in, a, in a town called, I think the town is called something like Normalsville. Um, anyway anyway it's worth worth checking out you can find it
1: online i gotta Um, look at that i I like in in the 2017 piece they asked him if he considered buying the colonial which is i think still like on the verge of like being lost and he was like no it <laughs> has got well, a beautiful Weiss was facade. pretty it. It's crazy. Looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: Good you know, good businessman Wiseman. He's just yeah. Like, yeah I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, ask yeah. people to invest in documentaries. It's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not yeah. going to buy a movie theater.
1: Um Leo, yeah. was there anything else that you wanted to get to that we we didn't cover?
4: Ooh, let me just take take a quick look. Yeah actually, well, one thing, speaking of, speaking and speaking of movies, I mean, speaking of like the sort of like movie references that are mm-hmm. in there, I actually, I, I, I don't know that I noticed this uh, before, but um, the whole kind of climactic sequence, I think, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. about oh, yeah. Moby Dick. Yeah. Um, the whole sort of, I, I mean, I think of it as kind of climactic in a way because it's so sort of synoptic in a way about the, 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 the film. as and, well. Yeah. <laughs> as well. And bringing together <laughs> hunting and factory world. Is that work Randolph Scott? Is, this, is that what you're
1: going to bring up? Uh, no, well, I think it's.
4: I, I I couldn't tell who it was because it was a quick shot, but it looked like John Wayne to me. Okay. But I Maybe I it's Randall Scott.
0: Oh, but, you're saying anyway, the, the picture. The idea, is, I yes, thought it dude. might have been Patton. I don't know.
1: No, <laughs> yeah. It's, definitely, well, a, it's but, definitely a cowboy. It's a cowboy, yeah. But I think it but might. I think be, it's Wayne,
4: but it, okay. it could be. I mean,
1: Randall Scott maybe would be pretty the cowboy. Once the. Uh, once the um, what, what do you call it? Comes out. Uh, once he's done. Uh, ref, what's it called? Refurbishing the file what is this basic word that i'm forgetting that he's restoring yes the- once he's done restoring we can yeah. like figure out who that was but yeah but yeah he talks about what melville does in moby dick and this is part of his great democratic vision i think he makes the tragic hero a fisherman from nantucket a fisherman from
3: nantucket of course he's named after a king
1: an evil king from the Old Testament. But the tragic hero, a fisherman, you know, a commercial fisherman from Nantucket, achieves
0: tragic stature. Why is that an important moment in the history of literature, especially of American literature? Because what have Americans been asserting ever since
1: 1776?
3: The rise of the common
1: man. The rise of the common man, good. And that the common man is as good as the rich. It's as good as the rich, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, we talked on our meat episode once again about, like, the Bicentennial and and uh, this idea of the cowboy's, like, uh, American dream. And it's just, like, so cyclical. And, and like, it, it just is so wrapped so perfectly. And, and I, I mentioned a, after I saw Aspen last that it seemed like that was the beginning of, like, when he began perfecting the ability to, like, Find what people were saying, and use it in like resonant ways for him thematically and and mm. here it just is like a continuation of that. There's just so much of that that just like it i he's 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 just uh you know there's so much poetic resonance in what people are saying and the way he ties it together,
4: yeah. And it's just a question of like, why the hell is there a cowboy on the wall? of this that too. You know, like it just really just doesn't cowboy, make yeah. any sense. Well, and did it, you, and you it, see too,
2: <laughs> there, you could kind of catch it in the bottom of the frame. He has this like presidential podium that he's leaning against. Like it has like a seal of the president oh, eagle yes. kind of thing in front of it. And you're you right. Know, there is right? a general
4: behind him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm looking at the image now and I can't, I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll take another well, look for it, you. I, I bring it Fact up only because <laughs> it, re- it reminded
2: me so much of the scene we've talked about so much from hospital, you know, of um, the the counseling with, with the um, black trans sex worker. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah well thank you so much for your time leo this was a blast it was worth the 2.5 years i hope (laughs) uh, Uh, it was for us at least
4: the anticipation was uh you know was was yes it's definitely definitely paid off but i i appreciate it and thanks this is a yeah this is it was great to revisit this film i really i really love this film this is a special one i think so happy to talk about it with you guys and yeah appreciate
1: it yeah thanks for lending us your your uh smart thoughts um and uh yeah have uh, have a good rest of your saturday
4: thanks you too Bye. take care guys